169 of the Rough Dog Gumbo podcast. It was so quiet because you had us muted. I didn't want y'all messing up my intro with coughs <laughs> and sniffles and sneezes and all other noises y'all make. Fine then. Uh, how's it going? We're back I'm, to our regular day, regular I'm, time. I'm tired. <laughs> fucking hot. Regular bat channel. Oh, it was. it's been good. I know our child doesn't have any obligations, so we're here on Tuesday. Yes. Make sure I pull up my my blurb. Go ahead and we'll get some sponsor stuff out of the way. We can. If you're looking for a high-quality PVC rack, look no further than Lone Star Reptile Racks. They offer a variety of sizes for snakes, geckos, rats, and more. You can even order something custom. Shipping is available, or you can plan to pick up at a Herps Reptile Show near you. Visit ellisreptileracks.com to reach out to Lone Star Reptile Racks today. Yeah, I was looking for the script the whole time I did that. I'm very <laughs> proud of myself. <laughs> I uh, only messed up one little spot. <laughs> also, Little Shop of Horrors is a small feeder and pet supply business based in San Antonio, and they regularly schedule feeder meetups around San Antonio as well as other neighboring towns and cities. They offer shipping on their feeder insects, isopods, and are working on starting shipping on their feeder rodents too. All feeders are raised on a nutritional diet that optimizes the health of the reptiles and amphibians that consume them. Uh, if you're interested, go back. Oh, it's probably two, three, three, four, four episodes again ago is when we had little shovel horrors on. We had uh, Lewis on, and we talked to them about how he feeds his rodents and his feeders and all. It was a good episode. We good. learned a lot. Yeah. Uh, let's go back and take a listen to that. Uh, let's go ahead and look at herp dates coming up. We've got one coming up this weekend, right? Yep. It's this weekend. Lake Charles. Again, we haven't been to Lake Charles in ooh, three, four years. Forever. We haven't been there forever since uh, since Mother Nature decided to hate Lake Charles and tried to wipe it off the face of the map. But we are going back. And it said, not today. <laughs> there's a whole town full of blue tarps for like a year and a half. Still is. I was going to say, there's, there's still a lot. You still drive by there and it's like a bunch of dilapidated blue tarps, kind of like <laughs> most of Lake Charles. Sean Gray's in the chat. He says, it's been 2019 since we've been there. So since before COVID. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a while. But we are back June 3rd and 4th this weekend in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And then the week after, we are in Conroe, Texas, June 10th and 11th. I think Lake Charles, Katie and I are probably going to come over Saturday for the day. Say, we'll just be there Saturday. Robert will be there all weekend. Be there we'll all just, weekend. We'll just be there Saturday. Go get yep. your racks and cages and all sorts of on Friday. knickknacks. And we'll have a bunch of acrylic stuff, too. Yes. Cool. Get your acrylics. Uh, and then Conroe, we will be at Conroe. That is the week yes. after. All of us will be there. Sorry. Robert's just fondling his microphone. Still fondling. He's trying to adjust it so he uh. can still see the box. <laughs> so, I've been listening to this book. It's, I have this Western writer that I like, and every time a new book comes out, I, I download it. And he has a character in there named Nighthawk, and that's his entire line in the whole book is, uh. <laughs> that's how he speaks. And then one of them is like, oh, really? Yeah, you want to go over there and kill those guys? Cool. Uh. <laughs> So uh, all of us are back in Conroe, June 10th and 11th. We will be recording there. So uh, yes, our goal, say hi. our goal is to get enough recordings to do two episodes, one for the following week, which is going to be June 13th, because I will be in New York. Mm -hmm. And then the week of the 4th of July. Yes. That's the plan. That is the plan. That's and, a minimum of six interviews. And then you guys only have to figure out what you're doing without me for one week at camp instead yeah, of both. I have starting this weekend, let me see. 
Say so you're crazy busy. One. Two. Riveting. No, that's May. Riveting. One, right, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight shows in the next nine weeks. Yep. You got this. And then two in August. Your microphone is way far away from you. Yeah. There we go. That's so much better. Sean says we need to interview Lori at Conroe. Lori? Lori runs away from the microphone every time she we've tried. Does. Although that would be a good Sunday afternoon at the end of the weekend. Mm, depends on how our weekend went. What if we schedule her for Sunday morning? <laughs> she was early <laughs> last time. She was early oh. last time. Herb's Fenders will get that one. <clears throat> she uh, got there before I did last so time. Come see, us, come see us two weeks at Conroe. Then June 24th and 25th is the Shreveport, Louisiana show. Robert will be there. Go by and say hi to him if you are coming to the Shreveport show. If you can't make it to Conroe, again, that is the show to go to. Oh, no. Shreveport, I'm thinking it's Liddell. Mm. Shreveport is a first time. Uh, it's taking the place Correct. of, of Longview. Longview, Texas. Yes. Yeah, so come out to the Shreveport show. That's North Louisiana for those that think all of Louisiana is New Orleans. It is not. It is not. I uh, basically none of Louisiana is New Orleans. <laughs> none of Louisiana. I had a friend. There's once, Louisiana, and then there's New Orleans. I had a friend once entity. who was on an elevator somewhere up north, and and he overheard two guys talking, saying they were flying into uh to Shreveport, into Louisiana for the weekend for something. Uh, they're flying in Shreveport, and they thought they would go down to to New Orleans for the day. I so, mean, you could drive a down there. Five in the hour day. drive. <laughs> yeah, from it, Shreveport. Or more. Yeah, it's a, probably five it's, or six. Well, it's three hours from yeah, Alexandria and, two, yeah, so and two hours. It's a rough five-hour drive, though. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Street Ford is 24th, 25th. Uh, Slidell is July 22nd, 23rd. Again, if you can't make it to the big Conroe show, Slidell is the, the next biggest show. And that's a really good show down there in Slidell. Go see that. We may try to make that one. It's during the summer. I'll be home. That's that's cool. Y'all haven't been to a Slidell show in, in like a long been a time. Probably two years now. So yeah. tell me, dear. It's been a while. Because it always happens like while school is happening. Right. And that's a long drive for us to make on a Sunday night to turn around and go to school on Monday morning. Right. Do you want a long drive? The next show is the Oklahoma City show, <laughs> July 29th and 30th. Yes. That is a long, long drive that we will not be making. But if you are up that way, definitely go to the Herb Show July 29th and 30th. Then down to Corpus Christi, August 12th and 13th. Over to Bryan College Station, August 19th and 20th. And then back to Conroe, September 9th. And 10th. You know, I can honestly say this. If I never drive to Oklahoma again, it will be too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's Balls will be vending the Slidell show. That's exciting. That'd be cool. So, hmm. go by and see Bob's Balls. Tickle Bob's Balls. No, 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 no. Because, you know, there's... No, 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 no. If no. there's one thing that all shows have been missing, it's uh, ball pythons. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's definitely... They're definitely running low on ball pythons. So get out there and help those ball python breeders. They just there's there's so few of those ball pythons. <laughs> uh, also, if you are looking for UVB LED light bulbs, check out VivTech and use code Gumbo twenty two to save fifteen percent. Go do it. Uh, we're running one, two, three VivTech bulbs in this room alone. Two bulbs in the room next door. Robert's got a couple of bulbs at his house. Yep. Uh, that's a fact. We have a VivTech bulb downstairs in the kitchen. They're all over the place. We have an extra. Gonna have one. a couple more in the kitchen after we go get my box turtle from the classroom. That's true. We have to go get your animals. So oh. check out VivTech. Uh, Sean Gray, I, I I may not be a ball python breeder. I, I have eggs, but they are shriveling up like crazy. I don't know what the fuck to do with them. That's why I like boas. They take so you're care saying of your hardware. balls are shriveled. My balls are well, not my balls. My balls are fine. Okay. They yeah. are nice and plump and healthy. Uh, my eggs are shriveled. Yeah, I got nice. shriveled eggs. 
<laughs> but they're not. They haven't turned changed colors yet. They have so. not changed colors. They're still bright white. Yeah, that's why I haven't done shit to them, other than just keep the humidity high. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm thinking if I'm, I miss anybody. Did I if miss they anybody? don't stink, don't toss them. I'm not. I'm not. Thanks, Good advice. Thanks, Good John advice. Grant. <laughs> I am keeping them until they go rotten. I uh, still have about a month until they are ready to hatch. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I don't know. But my boa been a month already. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, my boas are good. I, I, have, I tried to feed them. I fed them for the first time this last week, and nine out of fifteen ate. Which just, is really good. It's pretty good. Um, I pulled some mice before we started the podcast. They should be thawed out by the time we're done. I'm gonna try and feed them again. I only so anybody that's never bred, this is what you do. So you, not all your babies gonna eat right away. Don't thaw out a whole bunch of uh, mice to have to throw some away. So look, nine ate last time. I thawed out nine mice. I will try and feed. The ones that didn't eat this last time first. And if they did, if they eat, then I'll fall out more. If they don't, then I'll move on to the others. That way I don't waste That's mice. That's a great plan. Uh, Why is it that you always thaw out mice to feed snakes like the one or two nights a week that I'm like, hey, you should come cuddle with me while I fall asleep? I plan that on purpose. You're an ass. Uh, see, anal side he knows that spoon says, doesn't always lead to forking. No. <laughs> so, Especially when you've been at the beach all day. I've been at the beach all day. I'm going to mute y'all. Canal. Hey, don't be a fucking tyrant now. Right? Exotic said, did y'all mess with Robert's mic? Still sounds like it's off. Uh, the last recording, it sounded good. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. We changed chords. I don't know. The recording sounds great. So if you're listening live, uh, Robert's just going to sound like shit for y'all. I can't help it. We apologize. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It must be the mic. Oh, that's the only thing we haven't changed. We could change the mic. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. Okay, well, can we... I can't talk because we're about to turn my mic off. (laughs) No, no, you're so good. Keep going. Okay. Um... I don't know what to say, James. You carry Jesus this Christ, podcast. So the one time at band camp. No. So I, um, we, you went so to the we, beach today. We went to the beach today. I drove down to Galveston with four children and we went to the beach and it was probably the most exciting and calmest beach trip we've ever had, except for whatever stung me on the back of the leg that can go to hell and die. Um, that would be a jellyfish. I don't know. Robert said something else. Man of war. It's just another type of, another type. Well, fish. it's not a jellyfish, but it's related. It's a, uh, colony of organisms uh but you would have seen a man, man of war is gonna float near the surface i didn't see anything in the water you ready um almost but it's okay we're we're unplugging this is great radio you're gonna <laughs> we're unplugging a microphone hold on let me give you a- i don't know why we didn't think to try this beforehand because we're dumb smart people we're dumb smart people <laughs> I was in the sun for three hours today and then drove an hour there and an hour back. So I can use that as an excuse. Is your mic turn on? And hold on. Maybe. We're waiting. It's on. All right. All right. Is that better? Somebody tell we'll us. Someone let us know. Yeah. Uh, if not, then I, I don't. <clears throat> okay. But the good thing with um, Canal Side Exotics is they said they listened to the live and the recording. Way to go. See? So, because I was asking James before the podcast tonight, has anybody, any of us listened to the recording to make sure Robert's better? Good? It's the mic. It's better. It's the mic. Sweet. Son of a bitch. That's not good, cheap. though. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's the. Maybe it just needs to be cleaned. Yeah. Like, our clean. guest what is are here. we going to clean? I don't know. We got other shit there. Rob's here. Okay, uh, we got all the sponsor stuff. We're good? I think yes, so. Sir. We're ready? Sure. I've been ready. I'm born ready. Born ready. All right, let's go ahead and bring mm-hmm. in our guest. Robert, do you want to introduce him? No, you can. <laughs> uh, Rob Koch, who is a reptile and amphibian board veterinary special. He told me earlier. Let him introduce himself. How about that? Rob, introduce yourself. That was horrible, Lewis. <laughs> 
Hi, Rob. How are you guys doing? Good. Thank you for joining us. Hey, no problem at all. You tell everybody who you are. uh, So you want to go, you want me to go start with the story, how I got here? Sure. And that way I can kind of explain all the specialty stuff you kind of mingled. Sure. (laughs) That that works. So um, actually I graduated vet school in 96. So I've been out for a couple of years. And um, I went into private practice and just regular vet clinic, small animal exotics. Of course, I already had an interest in reptiles quite a bit and already got the bug and the disease of collecting everything you can shove into your house. Um, After a few hundred reptiles, I had it condensed down a little bit, (laughs) as as most of you guys will know. Yeah. Um, Then I decided that I wanted to take it to a new level. So I actually went back to school. And did an internship and residency, uh, inter- internship at K State and residency at Oklahoma City Zoo. That's so and, cool. Uh, decided to come back home to Texas. <coughs> so I've been uh, pretty much the head vet at the San Antonio Zoo for the past twenty-one years. See, that's awesome. Okay. Right. Katie and I have experience. We uh, both used to work at zoos before I was a zookeeper. She worked in the education department at the uh, Alexandria Zoo in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. So. sent stuff a long time ago so i'm pretty sure to. that our vet staff hated me because they only ever saw me when i was like hey i'm bringing a group in for a tour get ready to talk to kids and then they would just <laughs> tolerate me and i'd bring them cookies when we were done so it was a fair trade-off that's the fun part get to, get to hang out with the kids we, and tell them what you did that's the fun part yeah we had we have one who loved it and she was great at it but then like the zookeepers that would come in to help and assist they were not super happy around small children that was great you were phenomenal you were really great fake it till i make it but we had a few that were like could could you please just do all the talking for me and i'll just stand here with the animal and i'm like sure i my my only like good zoo vet store i said good was i uh i held cancer-ridden ovaries from a jaguar in my hands during a surgery (sighs) that was about Mm. it and then we put them back in and sewed her back up and the vets was like yeah there's nothing we can do she's Gonna die soon, anyways, and she lived like another year and a half. Mm-hmm. Wow! So the, it was. It happens. It yeah. was gross. It was just giant, like clear, bubbly polyps across the entire inside of her body. It was. Might not sound appealing. No, but she horrified me. I, she was always one of the ones she that she was, ever got out. I was like, she's gonna kill me. She was the only cat that I was genuinely afraid of when we had to do like drills or whatever. And I'm like, please don't use her for the drill. Like I know it's fake, and it still scares me. Like. Oh. She, 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 she was, it was a, she was a black jaguar. She like had these eyes that were just would tell you, I'm going to end I felt like miserably. Our, I was never really afraid of our lions. I felt like our lions, if you left the door open, were too stupid to figure that out. I got to go in the enclosure one time with what? With well, not like in the enclosure, I but I got to go. I got to not go with any big cats. No, 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 no. But I got to go into the back where the keeper area was. Yeah. So you're in a you you go through a door that locks, and then you go through another door that locks, and then you're in a cinder block building, and there's just a cage between you and the lion, and that was terrifying for me because I'm like I that door I can't get out of if something happens I'm screwed. And yeah. our zookeeper was like, you're going to be fun. I do this every day, twice a day. You are safe. And I'm like, I'm not safe. Just don't walk up next to the, <laughs> the bars. You're good. 
Yeah, that's what she said. She's like, just stay over there. I was like, okay. <laughs> they can't phase through the bars. You're good. Yeah, because after I got to play tug of war with that female lioness years ago, bro, that gives you a whole new respect. I played tug of war with a full-grown tiger. Yeah. He sat down, and I could not move him, no matter how much I yanked. There were I like yanked. nine of you. But, so there were so, four of us, and we were all like just out of college, football player-sized guys, and she just like took a step back and pulled us all and then just turned her head. And when she just oh, yeah. turned her head, it like pulled us all. Kumar just it, sat there. Theirs was glass. There, you got oh, I got pull, a dangler. Pull, pull that. I'm going to mute you while you do that. Yeah, the uh, the tiger was great until he kept moving us closer and closer and I realized I was about to be at the bars and there was still a female tiger in there and she could have reached me. So that's that's when he officially won. Yet. Oh, nope. You're good, You're good now? Yeah. I need to get that out of my way because I kept hitting it. Okay. So do you ever get to do fun stuff like that as a vet, or do you just have to do the vet stuff? Well, I mean, I do the vet stuff, too. Um, That's fun stuff. Well, of course, our, our our former female mom, Tiger, she she wanted to, she hated me. Um, <laughs> I guess she was still mad because I took her babies away to give them their vaccines when they were cubs, and, and that was, you know, but wasn't that big a deal, but I guess after a few times and even after several years, she used to try to kill herself, beating herself against the cage mesh to get to me. So Aww. that was I was banned from the keepers from that part of the, the tiger holding area. They would not let me go back there. She, See, she had it out for me. That's familiar for me. So our, our white tigers are male for some reason. And I never worked with the tigers ever. Uh, and after I left, I would come back to the zoo and visit the female tiger from that point on hated me. If I turned my back, she'd come roaring, slamming up against the glass, the bars. Like, I'd have to leave the whole area because obviously there's visitors there seeing that. And I'm like, oh, I got to get the fuck out of here. Because the problem was the male loved me. He'd come up to the glass, jump up on it and like rub and purr and do the whole thing. Yeah. The female hated me. So I think it's just female tigers. They're bitches. Once they hit a certain age, maybe that's what it is. She's senile. Maybe they just go senile. She, I mean, maybe. I never, I never took her babies from her, so she just hated me. So I don't have that excuse. She just despised my guts. So I uh, I had a lot of folks when I, when I said you were going to be on here, a lot of folks were super excited. And I feel bad because I don't know a ton about what you've done in the past. And, and I definitely could have like researched it, but that doesn't fit our podcast at all. So you did research. I researched one. Well, I did see that you were on the SSP, the vet for the SSP for Komodo dragons. Yep. Um, I've been the advisor for how long now? 10 years now or so. So yeah, he pretty Um, much got super excited about that. And then like, stopped researching with Komodo dragons, you know, breeding and and raising the little ones. So that. Just great because I can get to communicate with all the different ones across the country, all the different vets and keepers. I've talked to the vets in Europe as well, so it's it's pretty neat to take a species like that and be able to share everything. That's cool. So, how many commodities do y'all have there? We have, I think, got a few kiddos left over, four or five now, I believe. Love komodo dragons. I've had fun. I've had friends have gotten to go in with some at certain places and like touch them. I'm like, that'd be the coolest thing. I just want to touch a Komodo dragon just once. Well, our male, he uh, had arthritis and we ended, we were doing acupuncture on him every few months for like six years. So we were, so I was, we went in there, free contact, 
scrimmage the whole time. Now, of course, he was taped, but um, did all the safety protocols. But, yeah, he was pretty mellow and pretty good to get acupuncture. All right, so who talks the zoo into doing acupuncture on a giant lizard? It just doesn't seem like, like... What was it? Can you tell us what it was for? Well, he's arthritis. Well, arthritis, yeah. But but my thing is, I'm just thinking like, like if you had older keepers or even like an old school vet who'd be like, "Are oh, that's not the way to fix this." So obviously, your vet staff is open to different ways of fixing things. I'm just wondering how that talk comes up. You're like, we're gonna poke needles into this lizard until he feels better. It was my idea because I'm also certified in, in veterinary acupuncture. That's oh. awesome. So, I didn't so. even know that was a thing. We used to have our oh, horse. Yeah. We used to have it uh, under our horses a lot. Um, yeah, it helps horses and, and for, chiropractic and, work. And Komodo dragons respond extremely well, just like horses do. Not every animal species responds, but he responded extremely well. You know, there's across the country that had it done also do respond. So it's I know it sounds crazy, but you know I do cheat a little bit. We do put electro electric current between the the needles, so it gets a more potent type of stimulation in there to help with it help with pain modulation and he responded really well and that kind of sold it to to the keepers my boss everybody was like wow this really did work and we we we're talking about quality of life changes um you know do we does he need to be euthanized because he was very stiff and sore oh wow and that and he went another six years that's awesome we did a couple other things we've done um some stem cells, stem cell therapies. Uh, we did a um, special, um, like a, it's not radioactive, but it's like a, um, a ionizing tin that we put into the joints to help kind of sort of kill off the inflammatory cells. So fortunately he eventually did pass away, but he was one of the oldest ones in captivity. So we did, I think we did good by him. So, that, a good life. so that's interesting. Cause I know, uh, I mean, things may have changed now, but I know historically sedating reptiles is not the way to go because it's not always the best for reptiles. So how do you, I guess, convince a Komodo dragon to let you basically put electricity through needles into his body without him lashing back out at you? Or did y'all actually sedate or did you uh, wrap him up? How's that work? Never sedated. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, it's kind of, I don't know if you've read acupuncture done yourself, but it, um, when you put the needles in, especially if you have a painful condition or you have a, a problem that's going on, and if you when you put those needles in, you don't really feel it so much. I mean, it's a pinprick, but and the needles are super tiny. They're not like IV needles or injection needles like you're like you've seen. I mean, these are they're not hollow point. They're fine tip point. They're super thin. Yeah. Um, like 0.15 millimeter. I mean, they're they're tiny. So when they go in. I mean, they'll feel it, but once you put on some of that electrical stimulation there, I mean, they'll go, woo, you know, <laughs> what's going on. But then you will see after a minute or so, relaxation, just, just kind of chills in there. And you, then it was, and then he eventually just kind of walk, start walking around. So I just follow him with the, with electrical leads and little box and just kind of follow. And he basically told us what he needed. So there'd be times where he would say, no, I'm done after like, say, 15 minutes, or he'd go, I need 20. I <laughs> <laughs> watched his behavior. So it was, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty neat. And uh, I was pretty honored to be able to be a part of his therapies. That is so cool. 
Yeah, it's just it's not something you think. You don't think of acupuncture on a giant well, lizard. So I've never had acupuncture done before, but I know people who have, and they they say that the relief is so outstanding that it truly just outweighs all of the pain and even the the minuscule discomfort from the needles themselves. So if humans can explain that when they get acupuncture done. Obviously, it's got to be outstanding to be able to watch an animal relay that through behavior and and changes and things like that. It's just yeah, I mean it was it was a uh, it was pretty interesting to see the responses each each therapy session. So, how did you get into animal acupuncture? Well, um, I'm also zoo boarded as a specialist. I'm actually bored in zoo medicine. Um, that was part of my training originally, you know, of course I'm a herb guy. So, I mean, that I, I did the reptile portions of that exam. Um, but then a couple of years, went to 2010, I decided to go back and do a second specialty. And that's where my reptile and amphibian specialty came in. Cause what the hell I need one, you got one, why not two? <laughs> uh, <laughs> then, uh, then, oh, about 2015 or so, then I got the acupuncture part of it just cause I, I, I kind of had someone who kind of exposed me to it. Uh, one of my classmates retrieved a Brazilian paper that was, he was the oldest ever in captivity and he would treat him with it. And he responded. It was just, it made him just watch. It's like, I mean, it's more just a placebo effect. I mean, he was actually, he actually responded to the therapy. So my boss at the time wasn't very keen on it, but then, you know, new boss and, and just, new style and, and timing and everything. So I ended up was able to pursue the courses that were here in San Antonio at the time. Then did on the Komodo Dragon and that was just that pretty much solidified, okay, we can do this. That's so cool. Uh Sean Gray asked if you could stick needles in my face at Conroe. No Sean. No you can't. Uh the readies well, are if he wants to stick needles in his own face, that's up to him. I'm all for sticking needles in Sean's face. <laughs> that sounds it's like a good beautiful. weekend. Uh, the Reddy's asked, how long did the Komodo live? What was his total age when he passed? 20, like say 25, 20. So I, just, I, I draw a blank right now. It's like 26, I believe. That's awesome. It's, a, it's an old lizard. Yeah. We yeah. were at the, we went to the Houston Zoo yesterday. My uh, brother and nephew are in town. And so we took our, we took him, he's seven and my daughter, who's 12, we went to the Houston Zoo yesterday and he loved the Komodo dragons. But I also think that has a lot to do with the fact that uncle James loves the Komodo so much. And he would get super excited when James would get super excited as at an exhibit. And it was so fun to watch. Did Katie tell you we ran into her at Walmart last night? Rachel and I did. Yeah, she yeah, did. Uh, she told me how excited you were with the Fiji banded iguanas. That Fiji ban- oh yeah, so anybody, our the Houston Zoo now has Fiji banded iguanas, and for us in the U.S., uh, we can't own Fiji banded iguanas because for stupid fucking laws. But in Canada, they can. Fucking Canadians. Uh, so walking through, I saw, I looked up, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's a Fiji!" Because they didn't have it last time we were there. Mm-mm. No, they had quite a few new things on exhibit in the reptile. Ex- building that was pretty cool it's the only one i paid attention to well their beaded lizard was finally back on exhibit mm-hmm. and it is massive yep but uh the fiji banded iguana is the coolest one they also for anybody who hadn't been to the houston zoo they opened up the galapagos exhibit which i have to say this is the first time we saw it was yesterday yeah is a great exhibit it is i can't wait to go see it the, the only part that sucks is that because it's galapagos they can't 
basically have most of the animals from the Galapagos there because uh, they're all super protected. So they had like a blue, the blue caiman iguanas on exhibit, and then had a sign explaining why they don't have marine iguanas because they can't. As, so so as someone, that a zoo can't get those. So as, Galapagos are are strict on those. Yeah. Like like when you go to like on the yeah. go to like visit, you can't touch stuff. Well, of course not. Now, if you could find one, like if you could find a zoo that was working on a breeding project, and then that breeding project could be possibly given to another facility, then you might luck out. Well, that's how they all them. get their Galapagos tortoises. The, um, there, we have right. plenty of them. Um, but what I loved the most, and one of the things that I did in the education department at the zoo was the signage that you would see around. I would help with the writing and I would help with editing for all the signage and the signage in the Galapagos exhibit is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, like it they had a- so educational and it's, uh-huh. it's all very short and sweet and to the point. It's not anything too long. So you don't feel like you're standing there forever reading a paragraph. Um, it, it's just really, really a great. Like they had uh, Humboldt penguins cause they couldn't get Galapagos penguins. Right. Um, but that's closest relative. <laughs> Uh, they don't have Galapagos sharks, but they did have like bonnethead sharks and black reef sharks and a cool uh, big saltwater tank. Their sea lions got a new exhibit. Like it's a trillion times better than. Well, the, yeah, it was a swim pool for years. Yeah, basically. yeah. The new sea lion exhibit. I mean, is, it was the same thing for my whole life growing up. Well, you can see it from multiple places. There's one. Oh, you uh, mean you don't have to stand right over the top no, of it? And no, down now? You, there's a there's a there's seating, a stadium where you are going to do programs. There oh, is cool. another inside area that they can come up and like they were splashing the glass. And then there's another. There's a tunnel. You can you watch go it through. Wow. And they, yeah. So they've done a lot of upgrades there last year. They did the big gorilla exhibit a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, and then they did the pant- Pantanol. Pantanol. Yeah. And I then they did the, the right Texas here. native exhibit. Yeah. Well, in the <laughs> area where the flamingos are, that's behind that's the globus, under construction. That's under right construction now. now. They've closed that off, and they're so. Uh, hmm. It's a lot of cool things going on there at the Houston Zoo, too. Well, let's talk about the San Antonio yeah. Zoo. Yeah. Uh, San- uh, so, one thing, I don't know if y'all still have them. It's been a while since I've been to San Antonio. Y'all used to have. Uh, the giant salamanders. Do y'all still have those? We do not currently. I know they were awesome to work with. So I got to work with them for quite a few years. So it was pretty cool. What is the temperament on a giant? So, Cause that mouth is horrifying. It can fit your head in there. Those oh. things are, that is huge. I would not want to get bit by one of those. Cause that's, it's kind of, they can have some power in there, but, um, actually they were pretty mellow for the most part. Um, until you try to grab them, then of course you know they try to get out, get away. But beyond that, now they're—I mean, they're—they're they're just kind of like hellbenders and everything else. So, I mean, they're just kind of sort of just do their own thing until you mess with them. Just gotta manage. It's to try and grab one. It's just gotta be very hard to hold on to because I imagine they are strong. Oh yeah, they're super strong. What? How big do they get? Like four feet or more. Like mm-hmm. the. There's some of the basis for dragons, like the the myth of dragons in parts of Asia. Because there's two, right? There's the Japanese and Chinese. There's two different giant salamanders, right? Yeah, and the Andreas complex. Yeah. Are you looking up? With the- I am looking them up. I Google a lot on our show because I don't know a lot about the yeah. stuff we talk about. If you about. watch uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, she's the Janie of this group. <laughs> They're like, because Hellbender, so our zoo has a Hellbender. Hellbenders are impressive. I mean, you're talking two foot long. That actually just popped up as part of the giant, that's the giant salamander of the U.S. Yeah, it's a two foot long salamander that lives in rivers and creeks and all. But uh, the Hellbenders, I mean, the uh, giant salamander is way more impressive. I mean, it's the size of a small person. They had had freaking Tone Loke at their zoo. At San Antonio? Yeah. 
for a zoo la la taste of san antonio that would have been cool yeah <laughs> he was the uh he was a um i guess it's supposed to be a salamander in a fern gully oh he He's was the, the perfect voice yeah. that's right he was the bad the it wasn't really a bad guy because no, he ended up not eating the guy but um, <laughs> that's true thanks for the spoiler <laughs> we watched it's hard to spoil that movie from 1990 <laughs> we watched it in class for Earth Day. I hate to remember you now though. that tonight when I got home, Jeez. guys. Uh, I was wondering. You the Rainforest rent it on Amazon. The Rainforest does eventually you lose. That, you know exactly which band that is instantly. The uh, the Spasmatics. I don't know that. Oh, you don't know? What the hell? So, right. no, I don't know instantly. <laughs> I did. We watch Fern Gully Dude, every year in my class at the San for Antonio Earth Day. Zoo. Uh, the Reddies want to know, do you have many <clears throat> chameleon species at the San Antonio Zoo? We don't have a whole lot. Uh, we have... Like one carpet, um, couple of veils. That's about it. Um, you don't see carpets very often. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's not. You know, you, you don't see them very much in zoos. Um, they get a lot of other stuff. We have a huge collection, just not very many chameleons, unfortunately. Well, it's for me because I love chameleons. Yeah. So well, we have a picture of you uh, with our chameleon, who is now we do up in the corner up there. Uh, so, I, yeah, famous one. That uh, chameleons are a tricky one though, because like. They only live for such a short period of time. For zoos, like, I don't know. I wonder. And, and they, they can be a little trickier to take care of. Now, look, we've, we haven't killed this one, and we've done great. So they're not as tricky as I thought they were like a year ago, thanks to the Reddies. I am excited to see what happens with the colors when, when he, he sheds. sheds. Um, he, went on a, he went on a walkabout a couple weeks ago because I accidentally left the bottom part of the cage unlocked. And then we noticed for like two weeks after that, he was just walking around on the bottom of his cage. And then I realized because I saw him actually push on the fence in the front. I'm like, that little butthead knows that's how he got out and he is trying to escape again. Uh, he no, they're smart. Yeah. He hasn't done that since that. Yeah, he's, night realized realized, it's now he's, locked. he's realized that it's stayed locked. So now he doesn't go on the bottom anymore. But yeah, when, I'm when we put him back in, he developed some um, pink and yellows. Not just pink, like like nineteen, They're like, like early nineteen nineties, like bright pink and yellow, like you would like Saved by the Bell episodes. It's uh, but we've like we've checked the heat because we were worried about maybe he was getting like some burns from lights and. I wish I burned and turned like a cool neon pink and um, yellow and orange. But I mean, everything's how it's supposed to be, and God bless fine. the Reddies because Lord knows I message them all the time about panicking and. I'm so paranoid, but but yeah, he still has them. They haven't gone away, so we'll see what happens after he sheds. So, do you have how much say do you have in the collection? Are you just there for for care? Like, do, do you have any say if they are going to get something? Do they come to you and say, "Hey, we were thinking about getting this, doing an exhibit for this animal," or is it just, "Hey, we got this. Now you take care of it"? <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit of both, but um, no, I'm part of the process a lot of times. Um, I mean, for the most part, it doesn't really, unless it's a high-profile animal or a complex um, species or it's an animal that has pre-existing medical conditions, you know, I, then I get involved in those yeah. um, as a discussion for, you know, how we're going to manage. It's not just, a, it's not just like a leopard gecko, um, you know, if it's something a lot more complex then we obviously know what we're going to get ourselves into, you know, is it going to be like something we're going to speak? pay thousand dollars a month in medical bills. Um, oh, that's a good point. So, you know, so we try to look at those types of things. Um, and you know, the good thing is that if it's here and at the zoo and it's sick and we guys spend money, we do it. I mean, we don't, we don't just give up on them. Now we treat them and take care of them for the rest of their life until 
to that quality of life point. Well, and, and so we mentioned earlier the SSP for anybody who does not familiar SSP stands for species survival plan in, in zoos, especially AZA zoos, there is the SSP program for, uh, for, for almost any animal, a lot of animals. And when they have to breed certain ones, they, uh, they'll contact other zoos and they, and they have a stud book for those. And the SSP keeps up with all of that. Um, so I imagine if it's an SSP animal you're getting in, if there's a breeding program, they're probably talking a reptile. At least they're probably talking to you ahead of time going, look, we're thinking about doing this. Like you said, high profile animal, something that, that is part of a breeding program. Was there a question? Yeah, in there? no, definitely. Oh. You know, for those types of situations, you know, it's, you know, we'll take a look at the whole history of the animal coming in. Plus there's a plan, you know, a lot of times with SSPs, you know, we have these stud books, <clears throat> which is like a giant family tree. Uh, Cause we know we don't want to line breed a lot of species. You know, we, sometimes we have to, for certain small groups, we don't have a choice, but we try to do the best we can about trying to manage that. Um, they actually have computer programs that figure all that out for you, which is actually really cool. Oh, that's so you all the animals in and they have the family tree in there then it comes spits out answers of this with this and that with this so that way we kind of have a better idea at least from science <laughs> um, what to do now of course animals don't listen to science they do what they want so, <laughs> so there's always that off that problem too but um no we try to keep the genetics going because um, we want to keep these populations forever as that assurance colony as that population that could self-sustain itself. Fortunately, that's, it's a numbers game. Yes. So the more animals you start with, the more successful you can be. I know one of my favorite things when I worked at the zoo was the, uh, the available animals list. <laughs> my, uh, my director made a mistake once of giving me that list and go, Hey, is there anything on this list you want? If everybody doesn't realize there's, uh, there's animals that zoos have available for trade or even monetary stuff in this case, in some cases, uh, but, uh, they, they've got to get rid of it on space and on there was uh, Madagascan tree boas uh, which we had nowhere to put on exhibit and uh, they were on exhibit for like all of like a month in our education building until they realized they were not great for exhibit and then they went back off exhibit so I could play with them behind the scenes and uh, blackheaded python was on that list ended up with a blackheaded python so I could play with that behind the scenes it never went on exhibit anywhere it did not hurt the situation though that our zoo director at the time was very much a reptile guy and he hired James. He's an animal guy in general. He was, but he had a soft spot for the yeah. reptiles and he had a soft spot for you on top of that. Yeah, so I got to have stuff that and I couldn't own at home. He he hired James under the umbrella of I'm going to mentor you and being able to do that. And then what a jerk he died like a year later. Uh, no. <laughs> just, yeah. kidding, just kidding for anybody listening. I we <laughs> just he did die. That's not I'm not getting that pun unfortunately. But uh, he was an amazing man. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love the the available animals list. That because you could see things like like if I'd have seen Fiji banded iguanas on there, you'd have <laughs> bet we would have had. I'd have, those would have been awesome in my education program. I'd what are you found, talking about? I'd have found somewhere for those to go. Um, they, have, they have way too many problems. You don't want those. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, I'm always interested in some like our our zoo has. Uh, Bolin's pythons. I know on the private side of reptile keeping, Bolin's pythons is a huge like breeding project. People are trying to get those to have babies. And I just wonder. I've never talked to anybody at our zoo, and I, I don't know if you know anything about what. Uh, yours, uh, but like, do y'all have any species of snakes or anything at yours or reptiles besides the komodos we talked about that y'all are really like trying to get to breed and having issues with? Or I mean, how much do y'all lean on the uh, the private sector for some of that for help there as well? 
Yeah, that's that's always a big thing, you know, the private sector versus zoos. You know, that's always been a, one of those debates that people always bring up here and there. Um, you know, one of the things that we're known for um, in the herb to fauna wise, uh, we do a lot of Mexican montane rattlesnakes. That's, cool. um, that's something that we've been doing for decades and have great success with. Um, we've done uh, my bosses and the replicator, they've done field work in Mexico. Uh, where they're from and um, they've actually you know brought that back to us um, you know what our breeding program and plans so that's something that we're known for quite well um, we've had a pretty long history with herps in our zoo um, a different species and types but Mexican herptofauna is probably one of the things that we're best known for um, historically now our conservation team they um they're unique because they're also very reptile and herp based. So that's pretty cool. Um, you know, a lot of her, a lot of different conservation groups at other zoos, mammals and not, not that they're bad, but <laughs> mammals and birds, but ours is very specific for uh, reptile, amphibian and, and some of the fish. So they do a lot of karst quirk where they go into caves and do caving stuff for new species. So they'll find stuff. We do a lot of stuff with the Edwards aquifer. So we look at uh, the salamanders and the blight cave tetras and stuff that we find down and down and thousands of feet down. Um, we go through and we're working on those species to try to figure out how to breed them and, and keep them going in captivity so we can learn about their biology. So it's kind of a cool thing that we do. Plus we, a few years now we've been doing Texas horn lizards, which, you know, I grew up in West Texas originally. So I used to catch those as a kid. So, cool. of course, back then it was like these giant lizards that would fit in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like, oh, you're tiny. <laughs> so it's crazy um, growing up, you know, just catch them all the time. It wasn't a big deal. They were all over the place. But obviously now with all the firing issues and everything else. But, um, yeah, it's really cool to circle back around and work with those guys again. It's got to be fun for you when they bring in a new project and it is a reptile or amphibian because, oh, yeah. like, like I said, look, mammals are fine, but there's enough people out there to love mammals and birds. Look, there's that's reptiles. <laughs> just, I'm watching in the background of your screen. Yeah, I know. But, but reptiles and amphibians uh, don't tend to have that push for them. And, and, and at zoos, it's harder to get people more excited about a, a blind cave salamander uh, over a giant tiger that we don't want to breed because we have a bajillion of them and we don't need more of them in certain cases. You know, so it's, it's gotta be fun when your zoo wants to focus on that kind of stuff. It's good. We have a great outreach. Um, that whole team gets out into the public, into different groups and tell their story. Yeah. And it's really cool when they tell their stories and a lot of them do field work as well. So it's like firsthand everything. We're in the field, we're breeding them in captivity. We're releasing them back in the wild. So it's really cool. So what is your favorite, I'm going to make it, I'm going to narrow it down to just one. What is your favorite species at your zoo that you work with that you've, or that is there? I mean, you don't have to work with it because they don't get sick and you don't have to help them, but your favorite one. Well, my name tag says Panther Chameleon, but we don't have any currently. <laughs> but yeah, that I know where your zoo could get some in case. So. <laughs> I know. I know Lee's on there. So I'm sure he'll, <laughs> he'll chat here in a second, but, um, but yeah, no, that, by far, I, I mean, I, I started with chameleons and that was, that was the hook of the disease right there. That, that, <laughs> I mean, I had dart frogs and fish and all sorts of stuff before and growing up, 
but then you know once the chameleon bug hit that was it <laughs> it just went downhill from there it <laughs> seems to be a theme with a lot of people i know yeah yeah pretty much yep well so, and, uh, the damn reddies made it made me realize how easy they are to keep now and so now apparently i'm a chameleon owner yeah so i yep. die i guess it's all about it's all about getting things set up from the start yes proper and that's the thing that you know you don't buy it and you just cram it in somewhere you got to get the stuff you got to nail down how things are set up and and that's how i approach medicine by the way it's it, that's the difference between um like a regular dog cat vet versus an exotics vet versus say a reptile amphibian especially vet we approach things different uh, when you go to the dog and cat vet, I mean, they may ask you what, what the dog eats. You know, that's that's about it. You know, cat is go indoors, outdoors. You know, for for me, I, I'll spend half an hour just talking about husbandry. Yeah. I'll go in there and I will just try to see if I can tease out, you know, what's going on. Is it, you know, what the problem is. And a lot of times, this is even before I touch the animal. I, I spend a lot of time really trying to delve into what that environment is, you know, what's going on. Look at the, you know, I ask them to bring pictures or videos of their enclosure. So that way I can look at it and see, because the nice thing is that being a herper is I've had a lot of stuff over the years. Um, you know, I've kept snakes, lizards, chelonians, you know, off, off and on throughout in different species, because I, I feel like I can't teach unless I know. So I try to really delve into that. Um, I try to, you know, I go to different shows as much as I can. I uh, try to get to know a lot of the breeders and get to know them so I can learn from them so I can be better vet for them as well. So it's a different approach than most vets. You know, I tried to, I tried to work with the owner, with the client, with the breeder and all different levels. Do you ever find yourself walking around the zoo looking at uh, exhibits for reptiles and amphibians? And, and I'm not like, if you've got a great reptile uh, keeper and they, and they know what they're doing but do you ever give your two cents here like you see something in an exhibit you're like hey just you may want to think about this for this species or something like that yeah i'm, I'm pretty spoiled because my guys are pretty damn good <laughs> <laughs> but but you know i see things it's like you know you stare at the same thing for like every day yeah but it takes someone that's not part of it they come in and go well, what about that spot right there? <laughs> so, it's, so you know, it's, it's a different set of eyes. And um, I always go to the reptile house. Why not, right? Um, I, I like going through, take pictures, take a look at stuff. And I just like to see I just like to see the behavior of the animal. Plus, you know, where uh, they're at, what they're asking, what they're doing. So I like to look at it from that standpoint, too. Um, sometimes I notice things. Um, you know, I just did a zoo inspection, and I noticed that... Uh, you know, we AZA zoos, we inspect each other. Yeah. And I did a zoo inspection and I happened to notice that the snake was kind of weird. It was, I'm not going to say the zoo or the species, but it was kind of ball. It wasn't a ball python, but it looked like ball python balled up. And it's not characteristic of that particular species. And yeah. it just off the side and it just looked weird. So I mentioned it to their team and they had noticed it and kind of find out it had a big swollen throat and some other things. So it just looks like it was just starting to come down with something. So it just, just randomly picked up on it. So, you know, just by walking through and looking at stuff. Was this part of an accreditation? Yeah. Accreditation. God, yeah. I, God, I hate so, it. Um, so, yeah. So just something that, you know, I, 
I now, you know, do it with our zoo and stuff like that too. So, you know, just go around looking at stuff because you got to know what's normal to find out what's abnormal. Accreditation is always a nightmare. Like we, our zoo is fine. It's just got the stress leading up to one of those. For me, it doesn't know. So if you're an AZA zoo, which is, uh, which mo- most of your better zoos are AZA zoos because there's certain standards they have to reach. Some of your zoos on the lower end are not AZA zoos. Uh, I've been to some, they, they've got lower standards, but accreditation, they, they look at, everything like everything like the inside of a light in the keeper area if there's a like a cockroach crawled in there and died like they they look at everything um and uh if you're not on you if you don't have everything right that that's that'll get you that's like um when i was a police officer our department we did this accreditation through the texas association of police chiefs yeah and it was literally uh, your boots had to be laced right over left um Every little thing, your patrol car. I mean, they spent like three days after we spent months preparing for it, all yeah. your policies and procedures, everything to get this accreditation that for us really didn't do anything. It just made our chief feel good. But for the AZA Zoo, obviously, it <laughs> they, they want, yeah, because like, there's, oh, there's, we got a, we got a little sticker on our patrol car that's uh, <laughs> accredited. People definitely yeah. cut corners at, at, at places. Sure. And so you got to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, it's funny. So I've talked about before we had the Gaboon Viper where I worked and, uh, the rule was don't get bit because there was no anti-venom there. Right. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't don't get bit cause it's a venom, but you're probably going to die. Uh, I remember the accreditation that I was there for, they, they, they didn't get rid of it at that time. They said, Hey, get the anti-venom. After I left, uh, they had another one They came through and they went, you don't have anti-venom. They took the snake away. And so they couldn't get it back until they got the anti-venom, which they finally did. When it came back, the zoo that it went to, God, they fed it very well while it was gone. It grew like it grew like a foot and a half. It was about as big around as like a three liter Coke bottle. Um, but yeah, it's it's accreditation. If you're, if you're a zoo person, that that word makes you nervous sometimes because you don't want to lose it. You definitely don't want to lose being an AZA zoo because a lot of those animals that you have at your zoo are there because you're an AZA zoo, and you'll lose them. They they will go away. Oh, apparently, somebody got arrested in Maryland for trying to sell a some kind of a tree viper. Oh, nice! And they're completely illegal in that state. A West African bush viper. Oh, that's the little. That's that's the what. Um. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, there. Yeah. Why, why can I think of what's his name? Alex. Alex. That's what Alex breeds. Yeah. Little variable bush vipers. Yep. Somebody's dumb. Well, not somebody. A lot of people are dumb. <laughs> yeah, that's no shit. <laughs> um. All right. So I want to look at our questions that we posted this this week. They're both vet related questions. You we you came up with these, and so I want to go over those and some of the answers that we got from them. Um, one was, let's go with this one first. Says, Do you regularly take your, your herps to the vet for annual checkups? Why or why not? And across the board, it was pretty much a no. Uh, I think a lot of us don't, most of the people that were on there have like 30, 40 animals. And so they're probably not taking their 30, 40 snakes to the vet for a checkup. Um, but across the board, it was no for that. Uh, what is your opinion on regular yearly checkups for people's reptiles? Well, um, one thing that is important and it's more for, and more of their annual checkup, I'm, that's kind of more towards the pet side of things versus yeah. the breeder side of things. Um, and I, and I get it, you know, if you have 200 reptiles, I mean, you can't bring them all to the vet immediately, but if you have one breeder dragon, one leopard gecko, one ball python, that could be on a schedule. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, and I do find, I do find stuff. 
on those exams. Uh, it's crazy that sometimes, oh, look, there's a mass. We didn't know there was a mass. Um, commonly, we're seeing, I see a lot of um, former metabolic bone disease dragons, bearded dragons. Oh, yeah, we're going um, some that of those. Have, that have health issues and later in life. Um, they have arthritis, they have nerve dysfunction, um, seeing different type of issues with mobility. And some of those, the earlier we can get them on pain meds or get them on some sort of a therapy, the longer they can live more comfortably. So, so those cases, you know, that's where the annual checkup or biannual or six months, that's where those kind of come into play. Now, even with breeders and, and there's a whole, I know, and I'm not going to convince a lot of the breeders otherwise. And we've all watched the YouTube videos about different reptile personalities doing their own surgeries and their own procedures. I'll which, say it, Kevin McCurley. Just, um, <laughs> just I'll throw it out there. Which technically it's illegal. Well, I was and wondering if, that. And, like... if we, and if you were to do that on a dog, they'd be in jail. Yeah. But yeah, it's a reptile. So who gives a shit? That's I do, the attitude. and and you know a lot of people do, um, but unfortunately, that makes sensational YouTube videos and monetization and all that fun stuff. So, <laughs> but um, okay. that's a whole other debate <laughs> on that. Sorry about that. I, our dog was barking downstairs, and I was like, I think my brother just got back, and that's what what she was barking at. So <laughs> that's where I disappeared to. I was trying to get her well, hushed downstairs. That, well, that that brings up so. A lot, and we'll get to the other question too. A lot of it ties into that one, but a lot of reptile keepers uh, do have that mentality of they will take care of the problem themselves. And and as someone who's kept reptiles for a long time, there are certain things that can be taken care of. The only problem is if that thing you think you are fixing is not the actual problem. Like if you're like, it's an RI, and I'm going to go ahead and just crank up the temperature and the humidity to fix the RI, and that's not the actual underlying issue then that's where bigger issues can happen down the line because you're not actually fixing what you think you're fixing. Um, Absolutely. And then in that situation, you could very well be making it significantly worse. Well, well, like our, our boa that we took to the vet, right? <clears throat> yes. it, it had a mass on its nose. Uh, I don't have the knowledge to know what that mass is. And my biggest fear was cancer because I know cancer happens quite a bit in snakes. I've seen it happen to a lot of snakes. And so I took it to the vet and God, it happened right at, at the beginning of COVID. So it was expensive as hell. Um, but they removed the mask. And they were able to fix it. Unfortunately, she she did pass away. Uh, sorry, about a year after James's that. James's dinner delivery is here. Uh, Stuck my finger in your French fries. Sorry. Where's my? Wait, where's my delivery? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. I'm trying to mute my microphone as I eat. <laughs> but um, but with reptiles, I think out, let's go with with the pet side of it. Right, uh, a lot of people do get quote unquote pet reptiles with the mentality of it not being a dog, right? Or a cat. With and so the, therefore it doesn't need the same type of veterinary care as a dog or cat. Well, we see that a lot with the setup, mm -hmm. right? He's talked about metabolic bone disease and bearded dragons. The reason they suffer that the most is because people aren't setting them up properly because they don't think I need to spend $300 for this $50 lizard. Right. Uh -huh. uh, and exactly. so that's, and so that does lead to issues. So, and I think so that that's there's there's I think there's separate issues here. Another problem is even if it's not a breeder, we talked about it earlier. The I bought one thing and and then I bought another thing and then I bought another thing and now I've got twenty reptiles. 
I think in their mind, the thought of taking reptiles to the vet on a regular basis leaves once you, <laughs> once you're at like seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, thirty of them. Yeah. Even if you're not a breeder, even if you're just someone who just likes having reptiles. Um, and so we definitely don't think of them the same as dogs and cats, which I, is a shame. And I, and I have fallen into that in the 20-something years I've owned reptiles. I've definitely fallen into that category at points. But people also, not to like take away from reptiles or anything, people feel this way about a lot of exotics, like guinea pigs. I had to call like nine different vets around us before I found someone who was comfortable working on guinea pigs. Because I got a guinea pig for my classroom when she was old enough to be able to to be away from mom. I got her from a breeder. Um, I actually ended up getting her from the Herps store in Bryan College Station. Um, but they, you know, knew who the breeder was and and had raised her. So she was like maybe three months old when she came to live with me. She got excited one day and hit her eye on her cage and gave herself a stress cataract. And here I am like, oh, my God, my five-month-old guinea pig has a cataract. What is happening? So I paid that $90 vet bill for them to tell me, oh, yeah, this happens all the time when they're under a year old. If it doesn't go away in six weeks, come back. And then we know that it's not a stress cataract and we can go from there. And I basically had to wait six weeks. But it cleared up in three. And now when it happens, I know what's going on. <laughs> um, but, yeah. so And I'm someone who has been around guinea pigs since I was in high school and I never knew I I've never had a baby guinea pig do that before, but here's, here's something, here's something to throw at. How much did you pay for that guinea pig? She was $80. And you pay $80 paid, for that guinea pig. And I paid 90 just for that vet visit. And the person down the street or next door paid zero for that kitten. Yeah. But technically that guinea pig is worth 800 or 80 times more than that that kitten mm-hmm. yeah look at it from that way that's that's kind of a yeah. odd crazy thought that 100 dollars ball python or ten thousand dollar ball python is still yeah. worth more than the free kitten in some ways i mean that's yeah. just it's weird to think of that way we don't we don't think of it that way well my third graders were like well because i i noticed one of the kids when because they each have jobs to take care of the animals we've lots of animals in our classroom Hmm. um my english classroom at that um, and so they were like something's wrong with penelope's eye i was like okay i'll come look and so i stopped what i was doing and i went over to check on her and i was like okay i was like this looks like a cataract but she's only five months old so we were like talking out i said let me reach out to a couple people that i know with guinea pigs see what's going on and all of them were like at this age i would take her to a vet because that should not be what's happening with her. I was like, all right. So then the search started. And so like the kids were kept in the loop with all of this. So they knew what was going on. Um, and I'm sure some of their parents thought it was crazy that I was going to take a guinea pig to a vet. But the kids in my room were able to see, okay, when something happens to our animal, this is the step we take to take care of it. This is what we do to take care of it. And, you know, and then after the visit, we came back to school and I told them what the vet had said. And then everybody started watching her like a hawk to see when it was going to clear up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I mean, my my students pick up things on my animals in my room before I do. So your kids are going to get their second year with most of those animals this year. Yes. I haven't said anything about that on the podcast yet. Well, I I, just did. No, no, that's fine. I am actually, I'm looping with the kids that I taught last year. So I'm moving to fourth grade and I'm going to have pretty much the exact same roster from last year with the exception of a couple that are moving into other special classes. 
um, which I'm very excited about, which is funny. This is the first time in 11 years I've done this, but um, yeah, cool. they're all very excited. They get, they, they're going to get to see how much everybody grows over the summer and then they'll have. All so there's their- like no adjustment period on the first day of school. For you guys. I, there will be a few for me just because I, I'm sure I'm going to have some new kids in sure. my class that I haven't taught. But no, the majority of them are going to know exactly how I roll. And I actually started an online Google Classroom for summer reading. And a lot of the kids that I taught last year joined it. And they've already started making posts about books that they're reading. And we're only three days into summer. James, you should start doing that. Just stick with the same yeah. kids every year. <laughs> That doesn't work as a biology. Teacher. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, they're all, and my zoology kids are really excited too, because they have gotten, you know, they have you really know, big plans for next year. My sister, um, one of my sisters, she was kind of a special needs kid and she needed some extra help and she was in a smaller school district and it really did not every year she'd have, they'd have basically start the process over every year. Mm-hmm. So when she was in fifth grade, they moved to Clear Creek ISD. And they have a counselor assigned to them that sticks with them until they graduate. Yep. That kid start. she moved up with them every year. Because I remember talking to her when my sister was in like 10th grade. And she was like, yeah, I basically figure I'll get, I'll get two, maybe three cycles in in my career. Yep. And, uh, we have a district in Louisiana that does that as well. And basically they start with them their freshman year of high school. And they move with, with that group of kids. Everybody that they have that's a freshman, yep. they move with them until they graduate. I guess she was in seventh grade. And then and they started, cycle them, back to freshman. She had them from seventh grade on. But she had been with some of those kids since they were in like second grade. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, they know them probably that, as good as their parents do. Yeah. That school only does it for the high school level. And she would actually reach out during the summertime and see if there's anything she needed. Yeah. That's the only reason I think she probably was successful. The main reason. Oh, yeah. That lady helped her a lot. Are you fixing to mute me? You ready, you ready to talk? No, I was getting back in. Okay, come on. Are you done eating? You inhales that sandwich. Jeez. <laughs> well, like, why, why are you eating my fries? Eating the crunchy piece. You don't like those. I do like those. You just well, eat not them. anymore. Uh, do you feel... I'll tell you what I think. What do you think is the biggest thing that keeps people from bringing their animals to the vet on a regular basis? I mean, unfortunately, cost is a factor. That's, I'm not going to lie. That's my I mean, veterinary medicine is post-COVID has gone up. Um, and I think a lot of it's because people are used to vets being too generous. And, and we are. I mean, we're, we're animal people. And I don't want to turn animals away. I don't want to turn owners away. But unfortunately, we're business too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do a lot of moonlighting in the, on the side and work private practice, so I still have a, I still have my hands in that side of it as well. But costs are going up. If you can just imagine, why is why is this antibiotic I just got from a pet sixty dollars? It was thirty dollars a couple of years ago. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. We buy it from double the price. Mm-hmm. COVID. All that, and now I mean, everybody's expecting. What do you mean you can't diagnose what's wrong with my pet? Well, it needs a CT scan. Well, those are you know three, four hundred thousand dollars. Who's going to pay for that? Yeah, the vet can't pay for it. You have to you have to pass it on to the people that's that's using it in tests. I mean, so I mean that that twelve hundred dollar scan or two thousand dollar scan. I mean, it's, it's you got to pay it back. <laughs> If you can just imagine, I mean, if every clinic bought a half million dollar machine, they're all going to go out of business. <laughs> Do you again, so because you gotta, you gotta be able to get the return on investment. It's a business thing. Most people don't look at the vet clinic as a business, but I don't think they look at medicine in general as a business. Mm-mm. They look yeah. at it as a, as a, um, a necessity. 
Yeah, necessity, so it should be given. Yep. But, I mean... I mean, God, we've been fighting with our insurance for prescriptions uh-huh. for diabetes for the last six months. So, do you see a lot of people that come in that have insurance for their pets? Not as much. Unfortunately, reptiles are... There's a couple of them that will cover some exotic pets, but not as many. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some out there. Um, just... It is more difficult to navigate than human medicine. <laughs> and human medicine is difficult enough yeah. as it is. Imagine animal ins- and pet medical insurance is even worse. If that a, kind of gives you an idea. I have a coworker who said something about her dog having to go to the vet. And another coworker was like, oh my gosh, is it, you know, is something wrong? Or, you know, how much are those vet bills going to run? And she was like, oh, I have insurance. It doesn't matter. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I'm like, you have insurance for your dog? Yeah. She's like, yeah. But dog cat insurance, like you said. And she she was like, we knew we wanted the specific breed. We got it from a breeder. And I mean, she was like, and if, and if she said, if I'm going to pay $800 for a dog, I'm going to make sure that dog has insurance. And if in it's an actual dog something. breed, it probably has a health problem. Oh, yeah. It's a little Frenchy. It's wild. Yeah, definitely a health problem. <laughs> wild like mutts. Yeah. Um, but I just, I was like, oh. I, like, I've heard about it before, but I've never actually met someone who has insurance for their yeah. dogs. I mean, that's what we, that's why I try to go back to husbandry. A lot of it is, mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I can prescribe all the antibiotics and medications in the world. I can give them $600 worth of treatments, but they don't fix the enclosure. I'm just wasting their money. And they're just going to get sick again. Right. So that's, that's how I look at it. And, you know, it's, you know, all the, for at least, you know, you have the the reptile medicine specialists. But I mean, we really are reptile nerds for the most part. So we really go into that husbandry part and really kind of delve into that. And that was kind of, I think that's what makes us a little different, unique, is that we try to actually fix the root cause, not just what's coming in the door, but actually yeah. the reason why it got there to begin with. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, like I said, the, the most common pet lizard I'm sure you see as a vet if you're seeing lizards is probably bearded. And I imagine the most common thing you see with bearded is metabolic bonus and that's definitely a husbandry thing yes unfortunately by the point they've gotten to where they need a vet it takes a while to get them back to where they're functional again robert's had that issue he's got a beard that he brought back to to health that couldn't walk at one point we had one like that that couldn't walk at one point she definitely lived her best life out with us i think i've only ever bought one bearded dragon in my entire life the one i have downstairs was actually given to me and we've owned like Seven bearded but, dragons and sulcatas. Yeah, I've never bought a sulcata. But the bearded dragon that I have was given to me as a baby. Like, yeah, and that one's this one was the, like he was like not very old at all when I got him. That's the healthiest one we've had. And he's so he's so funny. But uh, <laughs> so I want to get I want to get into our other question because it ties into this one, and then there's some comments in the in the chat I want to bring in, sure, sure. and I want to talk to uh, talk to you about those. But the other question is. What has been your experience with your reptiles and your veterinarian? And, and uh, there were some very opinionated uh, experiences, and, and and probably rightfully so, because as we get through this, uh, and you'll agree, I'm sure, not all vets are created equal, especially when it comes to reptiles. Oh, and some have oh, yeah. some have zero knowledge with reptiles. A, a lot have zero knowledge. Yeah. With did you, because I, again, I apologize, I disappeared for a little bit. Did you talk about how your vet in Louisiana was also the vet? No, I haven't talked about that. Oh, I didn't know if you talked about that yet. No, that's okay. not, let's get that, but I'm going to get to this. So I'll get to some of these answers, and then we'll go through, and then we'll come back and, and hit on them. But let me read through some. Uh, Joshua Silver said, absolutely fantastic, plus she's, <laughs> I, 
Dutch didn't read this ahead of time. I, I read through the comments. I don't love that. <laughs> Plus, she's super hot. I was just about to say to makes see how wonder, hot that is. Makes you wonder if maybe he's married to a vet. Or maybe she's just super hot. Yeah, I hope so. Um, That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I like going to the doctor when my doctor's easy on my eyes. So why not go to the vet if your vet's easy on my I'm eyes? I'm hoping later in life I can find a hot female doctor when I have to start having certain... Certain things done. Certain things done. <laughs> just to make it easier on myself. <laughs> Uh, or will it be harder? <laughs> that was last week. Chris, I've, Chris, I've so. had it done Sorry. once, and it was a guy, and that was it's uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> at least if I find someone like our old doctor was like taller than me and big, the person's gonna have to be small with small hands. I'm just saying, at least have small hands. James, <laughs> move on. Uh, Ryan Gosso said, "Brilliant! Every time I've needed to take my reptiles in for a checkup, my vet has always been able to help me." Uh, these two first two were great answers. The, the a lot of these are not like this. <laughs> Uh, I haven't looked at any of them. I just, I get the notifications on my phone, but I didn't look at them. I did get, go through several of them, though. I didn't go through the first one, apparently. Uh, Wally Cunningham said, I've had a veterinarian kill a snake of mine for removing the shed too early without consulting me, which seems like a weird thing to do. But I brought her in to have a checkup on possible RI, respiratory infection, in case anybody's wondering. Um, during the COVID days when we couldn't go into the building. Oh, that's, that was, a, that's rough. That was, that was also that was so rough with that one. Um, without consulting me, he removed the shed while the snake was in blue, which resulted in her demise shortly thereafter. Uh, current vet has uh, more knowledge and has been more uh, conversive with him on stuff. But So, talking about the COVID days, I, I thought I was a helicopter mom with, like, our human child. <clears throat> but when we had to take that snake down to Baton Rouge at LSU's school for surgery. And we were, we weren't even allowed to get out of our car. I remember that. That was freaking nerve wracking. Well, just a lot of trust to put into, and, and, like, and they, those people had re- people well, at they, all. The reason we went there is they did have reptile experience. So that at least Correct. did easy. Like if I had to go drop my snake off at a vet who doesn't have that much reptile experience and then they're oh, going to yeah. do a surgery and I'm not involved at all. And look, I know I'm not a vet, but I have a lot of reptile experience. So yeah, that would have bothered me. Like, yeah. We were, we went to, the Louisiana State University to their exotics vet program. And then we drove around Baton Rouge for eight hours. For eight hours. We couldn't go in we anywhere. couldn't go in anywhere. Oh, was, I remember it was Yeah, like, everything it was, was like shut. Everything it was like right was when shut I got down. to know you guys. Yeah, we wandered around the campus for a while. We drove around Baton Rouge. We went through a drive through to get lunch and then sat in a parking lot and ate it because no restaurants were open. Mom. <laughs> Sorry. No. no, you're right. no I've, I've, I've been watching them run back and forth, and I'm like, should I say something? Like, he's, I'm sure he hears them. Okay. I got to say something. I don't know Joshua Stover personally. We're friends on Facebook, but I want to know this guy. He's got a freaking sick ass mullet and mustache. Oh, God. Not an ass mullet, a mullet. An ass mullet. But I, his tagline, I'm about to read this. Hopefully, he hears this when he listens, is that. He's a father, a husband, a pasture-based farmer and forager, and proudly anti-vegan. I'm proudly anti-vegan. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know this dude. I got to go to West Virginia. He okay. calls himself the Herpin Hillbilly. <laughs> she just found a new best friend, didn't you? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Did we just become friends? Yep. All right. Uh, Scott Borden said, uh, the first one I ever brought a reptile to was kind of shit. Basically, I was there just to get medication of which I knew exactly what I wanted, and there was a lot of tension because I wasn't falling for the upsell on species I have two decades working with. Luckily, now I have a vet five minutes from me, and while she's not an exotics vet, she has experience keeping them and works with me to navigate whatever issue is the treatment. 
This doesn't work for the pet owner who can't uh, quarterback the medical treatment of their animal usually, uh, but for someone with a lot of experience, it luckily works well. I will say with my, my original vet in Alexandria, she was our, she had a private practice. And then she was like our on-call vet for the zoo because we were a small zoo. It was before we got a full-time vet on staff. Um, And so I would bring reptiles to her. And if she didn't know it, she would go look it up and she would figure it out. That was the reason why when we had to have surgery done on the snake, she was not going to do it. That's not her her thing. So she had us go down to LSU. But what was really great about her, though, and and what I really loved the most is she would point blank look at us in the room and say, I'm not really sure how to handle this. I need to reach out to a handful of people. I'll give you a call tomorrow. And we'd be like, all right, that sounds good. And she, she would say, okay, I'm going to call these people they may know, or this people they may know. Or like, for example, she called us back and she was like, all right, you need to call the vet at LSU. And at that point we, we trusted her enough to say, okay, that's our next step. Um, and luckily we saw her right before COVID started. Then we took it down for, cause I, cause yeah. I got to go in with her and she had me hold the snake because I knew the same, her, her, her sweet little vet text. Her little vet text were dog it. and cat vet text. They were not <laughs> seven foot bold. They were not vet having text. it at all. <laughs> so, um, all right, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. Vets are a pain in the ass. <laughs> all right, we're taught to be confident. We're taught to we're salesmen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, yeah. that's the truth. Yeah. And it's not because we're trying to get one over on you. It's just that who would you rather go see as a human doctor? Someone that's wishy-washy or someone that knows we need to do this or go, well, maybe we could do this. It may not work. We could do that. I don't know if that's going to work, but who would you rather see? Exactly. And the same thing. And that's, and that's us. We have to be the same way because we know it's going to fix your pet. Right. But if we're, not confident you're gonna go eh, i don't know and the pet dies whose fault is it is it the fault for you did not doing the going with what the vet said or is the fault of the vet by not selling the right treatment i mean it, it's sad to look at it that way but i mean that's one way to look at it my vet friends probably hate me for that but but i mean we are a pain in the ass uh, in some ways but i'll be the first person to say you know what Go see another specialist or get a second opinion. I'm I'm not going to be the one that's going to hinder your treatment of your animal. Well, I think that's the biggest thing, and and that's that's a, a human nature thing across the board is being able to admit when you don't know something. We've talked about this on multiple episodes, and uh, and, and for some of these people bringing in a snake, there may be a, a vet because again, it is a business, right? And and the more people you get in, that's the more money you make. And 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 some vets may go, yeah, I can see your boa constrictor. And they have no experience, but because they need to make the sell and because they feel very confident, they won't say, I don't have the experience or I don't know. They will, they will do things like peel the skin <clears throat> off your snake when it should not be peeled off. Um, yeah, you, need, you need three clinics. You re- every pet owner needs three clinics for each, each type of pet. One is your routine vet. That's your regular preventative health. Dogs as vaccines, snakes exams, fecals, you know, things like that. The second one is a specialist or someone that's that's your surgeons, your cardiac specialist, your interns, your ophthalmologist. That's your specialty that's going to take care of the high end stuff of more complex things. 
And the third thing is an emergency clinic because yeah. shit happens at midnight and everything's closed. Always. Always. It's so, always, and it's always right then. And people have to get over the price. <laughs> An emergency clinic is expensive no matter where. There, you can't shop around for that. No. It's going to cost you money. And it you're is, paying up front. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. And the best thing I always tell people, you've got to have all this done before you get the pet or when you get the pet before it's a problem. Find yeah. those. And I have people that don't like my style of medicine. Don't like me. I don't. That's fine. Maybe when I, when I was younger, I, I may, took it a little personal, but I am who I am. I'll tell you up front, I'm honest with you. I'll tell you what I think. Um, so people appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I have, I have clients drive three, four hours to come see me specifically for what I do. Um, and that's why I think you've got to do that research. Yeah. I mean, if, if you have the vet that's not as experienced, but they're willing to make a phone call, I think that's a hell of a lot better than someone who's not experienced and just will treat it anyway. Correct. And vitamin B is good. I said vitamin B, vitamin B. Joke we always do, but um, it's not the only drug out there. Well, uh, so I was going to ask you. Not what, everything is cured by that. What What is easier for you, the uh, the person bringing an animal who it's their first pet and they they don't know any better, and they're bringing it to you? Or the person that's been keeping that species for 20 years and brings it to you, who's usually easier to work with? Because I, I, in my head, I think I know who's easier to work with. In my mind, I think I know I, who it is. I like both because I have a total different exam experience. That makes sense. And, and like I said, that that's what makes art, the, the reptile especially unique because, like I said, all of us are hurt nerds. So we... We all have, we breed our own stuff. We have our own stuff at the house. Yeah. So when I have that first time pet owner who has no clue what's going on, that's where I sit down. I grab a sheet of paper and we start drawing an enclosure. We take what picture they have. We go through the basics. We really try to cover that part of it. And I try to teach. Like I said, I'll spend a half hour teaching. My, my texts are got me out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, you've been in there for an hour. Come on, get out of there. We got to go to the next one <laughs> type thing. But I really try to approach it that way. And, and sometimes it's like the, you see the light bulbs go on sometimes in their brain. They're like, well, we were told something completely different. And uh, it's just like this knowledge base that hits. And that's what I live for for that client is when they see that change. And on the recheck, when they do those changes, the animal's getting better because they fix the environment. So that's, that's what that client is good for. And that's where you really get the, the response and the, the really, that's what I live for that too. Now the breeder side of things, you know, coming in with something completely off the wall, crazy mutations, you know, different species you haven't seen, oddball stuff, one-off species cases. Those are fun because I'll sit there and go, all right, I don't know as much about, and I'll say, I don't know, try to think of a gala wasp or something that, you know, I've only seen a handful in, in my career, but they breed them, for example, and they work with them. And I'm going to say, all right, let's talk about the husbandry. You know about the husbandry. Let's talk about it and look and see if we can find something together as a team. Then let's concentrate on the animal. That was less husbandry, more animal based, because typically those that's why they're bringing it in, because it's probably beyond what they've already kind of exhausted in research, because that type of person's already done that 
life you works under and and that's and that's that's fine and, that, and that's how i approach it i approach it from a different angle at that point that makes sense I just, and i want to learn from them and they and they want to learn from me so that's where that teamwork comes in yeah from Team, that yeah. standpoint i just think that like some reptile people are probably just as bad as livestock people and that they come in and they really just want can you just give me the ivermectin or batrial and let me yeah. get out of here because like right. i'm just gonna give it an injection of the stuff that we've been giving it for years and i'm gonna go from that even though that may not fix the problem. Well, and they, they they want they just want the the vet to give them whatever they think is going to fix. I, it's I imagine you know, that's a pain with, in the butt when they come in thinking they know he's got to fix it before you've ever looked at the animal. With that being said, though, what? I am guilty of going to my doctor and saying, "Hey, I have a sinus infection. I know what's happening in my head. Can you please just give me what I need to make this go away? I'm a teacher. I don't have time for this." So I've done that before for myself. Just as bad as a whole. And person. I don't have, you know, a doctor in front of my name. <laughs> Most yeah. horse people, they're taking their, their their horse to a large animal vet who does nothing but horses. Yeah. So. But every horse person I've met, like, has a bottle of whatever. Oh, the, yeah. And it's a range and they're, and they're medicating. Oh, you got Danine. Now, that, you being, have, yeah. that being said, that's all stopped. As yeah. of next week or the week after, all that stopping, all that really? stuff is being pulled out of the feed stores and stuff. I yep. heard that. So all uh, that's changing. That is really going to be interesting for some of these people that have kept horses for 30, 40 years and mm-hmm. now don't have easy access to things that they've always had access to. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Huh. Hey, did y'all see this picture of Max taking a picture of a wild ball python? I did. I did. did you see what I asked him? He sent no. me a picture of him holding a wild ball python. I said, is this a photo taken by a photographer of a photographer taking a photograph of a wild ball python? <laughs> he sent me a picture of him holding one. That's I was like, awesome. I apologize. This is the python. point of our podcast where we kind of all. Yep. What do you mean? I'm looking through the group. So I do want to get looking through the group at some of the stuff in here. <laughs> so I do want to jump back to. Uh, we talked about finding the right vet and I was going to give you a chance to uh, tell folks the places they can go, especially for reptiles where they can, we've mentioned it before on the, on the podcast, but where mm-hmm. can they go to find a, a vet that can be trusted or at least that knows reptile or exotics and stuff like that. A uh, couple different places. Now I did put on the, on Facebook, I did link a couple websites. Yes. Uh, one is the association of reptile and amphibian veterinarians. Yep. Um, what that is, is that's, that's a membership. Now it's not saying that if they belong to an organization, they're automatic reptile guru or a specialist. That just means they belong to that organization. Uh, it's like if you join AAA, you're not a good driver. <laughs> you join AAA. Now that being said, I know a lot of the members of ARAB and a lot of them are great reptile vets. And if they're going to spend the money to join the group, theoretically they have an interest in reptiles. So that's a good place to start. And again, every vet's different. So if, if we're on a list, you call them up, talk to them, see the clinic. You know, now we can, wildlife clinics are open now. Not all of them are, but you can go into the clinics, talk to them, get a feel for what kind of medicine they do. Some, you know, is it going to be someone that may not have as much knowledge, but is willing to make some phone calls? Or is it someone that has no knowledge that just wants to make a buck? Yeah. Or is it someone that has a ton of knowledge, but it's too busy to see you or, you know, where's that, you know, what kind of practice is that, and, you know, a dog, cat, lizard, ferret, doesn't matter. Same thing. Um, and really try to take the time to do that, which most people don't until it's too late when you have to have that emergency call. Um, but that's the best place to start. Now, um, 
I mean, there's hundreds of vets on there and all over the country and international as well. So that's a good place to start. I also linked um, the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners, and that's the group that does this, the specialty boards for reptile and amphibian medicine. There also is avian medicine. There's um, small companion mammal, you know, your ferrets, your guinea pigs, that group, ferret vet. I mean, there's cat vets, dog vets, <laughs> equine vets, large animal. I mean, they're all different groups within that. Uh, ABVP website that you can look up, but um, there's only a handful of us in the country that do reptile amphibian. There's, you know, there's only a couple dozen that are active. Uh, unfortunately, we've had a couple of our specialists pass away in the couple, last couple of years, um, so we've lost some some good vets in that in this world. But um, that's a good place to start, at least to see where you can kind of navigate. Um, you know, then, like I said, emergency clinics, I, 95% of them don't see exotics. Yeah. Some do, some don't, depending on where you live. If you're in a bigger town, there's a good chance. Hell, in San Antonio, most of them don't see exotics, unless it happens to be one or two people that's on working that particular night. That, that just happens to be on call. Yeah, that happens to be working that night. So, it's tough. And I'm not going to lie, it is tough. So, do all that head leg work ahead of time and that'll help. Hmm. So yeah, if people, there's definitely places out there, but do your due diligence with finding a vet. Uh, we, we do own animals that are not that common. And, and it's all, there are all the reasons why we own them. We like owning the animals that are different, but because of that, they take different care and there's different parameters that go with, with owning them. And, and you got to know that they're not, you know, that's another thing that there's no such thing as a disposable pet. There's just not. That none of them and, I, and that's always bothered me like goldfish are the number one things that people look at as disposable pets i'm like that's a a fish that lives 50 years <laughs> and so it's not a disposable pet and and neither is your chameleon that lives for five years especially when you can buy a veiled chameleon for 20 bucks from somebody at a show and you know i, I uh, will say i hope that chameleon list lasts more than five years they can live a lot longer than five years yeah i just i know that <laughs> some of them like five to nine somewhere in that range or I'm hoping that this damn thing lives closer to eight, nine, because I put a lot His of... His birthday is coming up. That's true. It's the same as yours. That's right. Uh, hold on. I'm trying to find where the ready said something. Oh, so the ready said, I do feel... They they missed, They used the wrong feel. They used to feel like as you were putting dirt in a hole. But anyways, I'll, I'll leave them there. I do feel like reptiles in general are a much stronger animal with proper setups than common pets. Here's one thing I, I would like to get your opinion on. And I've always said this, outside of dogs and cats, when you're talking about like reptiles and a lot of your, uh, well, we're basically wild animals, even if we're keeping them as pets. I've, I've found in the past, they are very good at hiding being sick until it is very late in the process. And that makes it a lot harder. So do you find that, like, especially at a zoo, in a zoo, do you find a lot of these animals are hiding that? And then it makes it a lot harder to bring them back sometimes than it is like when your dog stops eating, you notice your dog stop eating cause you feed it every day and it just, it's not eating right now. Uh, no, it does make it tough because they do, they hide it till the end uh, a lot of times. And it depends on when they bring it in. If they bring it in when it's, you know, a bearded dragon where you can see every single bone in its body and has no fat, no muscle. And it's just literally skin with or a skeleton with skin around it. I can't fix those. Yeah. But that animal didn't get that way overnight. Yeah, that wasn't an overnight thing. Yeah, that was. You know, and, it, and that's a lot of it is just 
the education part. It, unfortunately, it starts at the shows, the reptile stores, the breeders, the, you know, all the different areas where, you know, that it starts with. And that's the education part. So you got, you got to get them started out right. And it's, it's hard. I, I if, if there was a magic way of making it all work, we'd already figured it out by now. Well, that's the, um, as a yeah. breeder, I feel like that's our job as breeders who sell mm-hmm. these animals. It shows to inform them and, and you know, the general public and, and we do it too. We're, we go to Facebook for, for a lot of information, right? And it's not the best place, especially for animal care, because you're going to find every single different answer out there. Mm-hmm. And like 5% of them are probably the right answer. Um, and we live in a world where the loudest person is the right person, not the right person is the right person. Um, and so as a breeder, you have that moment, that connection to talk to them and get them as much information as possible before they go home and join ball pythons, whatever on Facebook, you, you have that chance to go, look, I need to be your contact. If you have any trouble, contact me, talk to me. Uh, and I think, um, a lot of people do good at that. Another thing in our hobby is a lot of people on our hobby are not people, people. Right, that that is one reason we like these weird animals because they are odd, they are do- are different, and maybe a lot of our people in this hobby don't handle talking to the general public very well. But if you're going to be breeding an animal, you've got to, you've got to figure that out, or you've got to at least be able to give them a place to go to, someone you trust that can do that, because there's a lot of information out there and a lot of it is wrong. Especially as a vet, you see that all the time: someone coming in telling you what is wrong with their animal, and you're like, "That's not what's wrong with your animal." Yep. So I see it all the time. So it's the education part. That's super critical. It's, it's tricky. But if you, if you, again, if you sell an animal of any sort, like I went into a pet store earlier to buy crickets uh, for our chameleon. And I was looking at the reptiles and they had like five bearded dragons for sale in different cages. And they had just like dried pellet food. And they like this. And I went and looked on the shelf and it's, it's sold as a bearded dragon food. It looks like guinea pig food, basically. And it's, it looks like it's definitely dried grasses is all it is. And I'm thinking, someone's going to walk and see this in this store, buy this beer dragon, and they're going to go, oh, I can feed it the stuff off the shelf. I'm like, you just hope that, you hope, hope, hope when they sell that animal, someone goes, get it fresh greens, feed it insects, and don't feed it the shit that we're putting in the cage that it should not be well, eating. the one I have. Uh, she bought it at a big box pet store. Yeah. And they told her you could feed it freeze-dried crickets, and that's it for its whole life. And she had him for a year and a half, had, had her, thought it was a male the whole time. His name was like Reptar or some shit. And, hey, 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 uh, Reptar's from the Rugrats. Whatever. And, uh, and yeah, she's like, here's this food. And I'm like, no, it's not. This, this is it. And I was like, okay, thanks. And I just set it back in her car. And she was like, you're not going to take his food? Yeah, I'm not going to feed him that. <laughs> thanks. Uh, and, and so that's a problem. That is definitely a problem. As someone who has also worked in a big box pet store, I worked at PetSmart and, um, uh, not everybody's like me, and I know that. I worked with a lot of people that were not like me, and and there's no one else that worked there. When I worked there, I would trust to tell people reptile care or animal care, for that matter. Like I worked there after being a zookeeper and keeping reptiles at that point for ten years. Uh, but those big box retail stores, they they hire people. They don't hire animal people. They hire people, right? And even if they sometimes they hire quote unquote an animal person, that quote unquote animal person may not be doing things right and not have the right information. So it is important as a breeder, if you do shows, if you vend shows uh, and people come by, talk to people because they may never have talked to a real 
reptile person or a real breeder or someone who's really thinking a of real the, person. Well, they've talked to <laughs> they've talked to the Facebook world, which fuck we know that yeah. the Facebook world is not real people. Uh, they've talked to the person at PetSmart or that their local pet store who knows how to sell animals but doesn't really know how to take care of animals. You got to be that person for them. So, anyways, that's why I'm soapboxing. Got off my soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there were a few things in the chat I wanted to talk about. Climbed the stairs entirely too many times tonight because of our dog. So the Reddies posted this earlier. I didn't bring it up, but I wanted to bring it up. The Dallas World Aquarium, which is an awesome place. If anybody's never been to the Dallas World Aquarium in Dallas, Texas, it is a really, really nice aquarium. Um, and it's, it's kind of feels wrong to call it just an aquarium. I was just about to say that. It's basically an indoor zoo with just a lot of water. Mm -hmm. Um, but you gotta go to Reptilandia. You gotta go to Reptilandia. Oh, I'm waiting until they finish the new building. We want to finish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've already been there. It's phenomenal. We yeah. talked about it, I think it was last week or the week before. There was a picture of uh, of Ari like painting a tree, and it's it's hard to explain. Oh, yeah. The tree is fucking huge. It's like a real. It's the size of a real tree. Yeah. In this exhibit, I can't wait to go see it. But we are we are holding out until the new building is open. It's 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 awesome. I mean, I I, I it's been a couple months since I've been there, so they were still hadn't put the gun on the trees yet so but i saw the metal forms for it and it's just it's incredible the size of those enclosures dwarf anything most zoos are doing i mean it's it's i mean the all the window frames are all like steel (laughs) so i mean it's it's not going to fall down in a tornado that's for sure (laughs) yeah i can't wait to see it but uh oh but the ready said going back to the dallas world aquarium they now have one of their ambanja uh chameleons uh, panther chameleons on exhibit there or at least there. It may not be on exhibit yet, but it It'll will be. It'll be on yeah. display as of this weekend. Um, there you go. And then awesome. uh, Pia, Bartol- Pia Bartolini, Bartolini was in here earlier. She's not here now, but she uh, said awesome interview for having Dr. Rob on. She, she was she great flex on there. But yeah, she had, I know, right? She, she had a rhino procedure in the morning. <laughs> yeah. so she's going to have to listen Thanks. to the recording tomorrow because yeah. she's got to head in early. It's like, great flex, Pia. <laughs> Way to go, Pia. That. That's the only place. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've known Pia for a few years, so yeah. yeah. Is she a vet? She's a that tech. That tech. At okay. um, Animal Kingdom. And yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Her drive from home yeah. is fucking long. Yeah. They, they don't live anywhere near. They don't live. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, live in the middle of middle fucking of nowhere, nowhere right? Florida. You guys went there for carpet fest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Their place is amazing too. If anybody gets a chance to go out and check out, I can't remember the name of the place. Oh. It's, they, they got a name for they it. They have a specific name. Look up Cody Bartolini, you'll find it. But their their yep. animals and their setups out there yeah. are amazing as well. Have you guys seen this uh, hog nose that our friend Nick Markham hatched out? No. It's half, not like front back, half lavender and half caramel. Oh, so it's a uh, chimera? Chimera. Like right down the middle. Oh, that's cool. It's got like a stripe down the middle and it's two completely different snakes. Yeah, chimeras are weird ass animals. That's crazy looking, man. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, I was trying to think there was some... Oh, the Reddies also asked, do zoos introduce wild-caught stuff? And we talked about breeding projects earlier. Uh, how often do they introduce wild-caught stuff to change the blood in some of these like SSP programs, stuff like that? Um, depends on the program. There are some of that as well. Um, of course, you know, nowadays, everything's all regulated. CITES and paperwork and can't get anything out of this country or that country. So there's always that type of um, aspect to everything. But, you know, we do bring in some wild-caught animals just because we need to get some infusion of some new genetics. So that does happen, be it mammals to birds to reptiles, amphibian. There's an unhappy cat who is not getting attention. (laughs) 
know, my, my daughter's at practice, so he's uh, um, he's hungry. That's so funny. <laughs> mine does that at two in the morning, standing on my chest. Yeah. <laughs> mine does. Oh wait, I don't have a cat. Yeah. There was a dog at the beach today. The people that were not far from us, and she had her own little like place that she could chill in the shade and on a towel, and the I guess. The, the guy that was there with her like walked over to the water to like wash his feet off. You would have thought that someone was sawing off her leg. She was whining so bad because he walked 30 feet away from her and did mm-hmm. not take her with him. I was like, Oh my goodness. Um, Oh, so I wanted to go through uh so, so Chris Eaton complained last week when we had him on, cause I don't show the stuff on the screen that we're talking about. So I've got it this week, Chris, I'm going to show it. We're going to go through the stuff that was posted over on our group. Uh, there it is on the screen. Everybody can see it. I can't figure out how to get rid of the stupid admin bar on the side. It annoys the crap out of me. But uh, so you read, did you ever actually read all this article, Katie, about I the did. albino? We, we talked about it some last week. Um, that it's not really albino. It's, it's just faded. Well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was about alligator salmon turtles. They're so, saying that it, it the one of the reasons they think it fades is because it could possibly have the gene in there but that it's not dominant enough to make the whole thing albino that doesn't make sense if it albino doesn't works make a at gene. all and the whole, i need you or travis wyman to read it i'll have to look at it later uh we talked about komodos earlier i don't know if this is going to show it or not um it may not show it oh there it is there's a komodo eating a bat oh my it. goodness yeah there's one earlier i think it post it got posted last week at the week before of it eating a goat did you see that one? I don't know. Maybe it ate like a small like goat in like two swallows. That bat is huge. Yeah, it doesn't stand a chance against the Komodo dragon, though. Man. Brandon Peace posted that one. I just love Komodo dragon eating videos. Uh, I posted this one. It was a melanistic spoonbill or um, um, paddlefish or there's other goofy names out I say, there. I for thought them. a spoonbill was a bird. They call them, It is, but they also call these spoonbills. Oh, okay. It's a paddlefish. <laughs> Very confused when you said spoonbill. I'm like, that is a fish. It's a paddlefish. In that picture. But it's a melanistic. That is not a bird. It's a, it's a melanistic paddlefish. I may be tired, but I am not that tired. This is the one in Louisiana where people will catch it and they go, yeah, I caught this. And you're like, it's illegal. Like, well, you can keep one if you can catch it in the mouth. And you most likely didn't catch it in the mouth. You snag the damn thing because they don't bite stuff because they're filter feeders. Right. Um, oh, this one. You posted this one, Robert. A farmer who fell into an enclosure of 40 crocodiles and was killed. Yes, and consumed. <laughs> oh. I think he was in like Laos or Vietnam. Yeah. Well, watch your step. Maybe maybe put up a guardrail. But his family was like, he was like in his 80s or something. And his family, ah, he was going to die. And his anyway. family was like, he loved the crocodile so much. So if he was going to go, that's the way he wanted to go. Fuck that. I'm oh like, my. did he really just fall? Oh my God. <laughs> Is there insurance? Yeah. Dang. Or, or did he just say, oh, well, look, I think I'm done. Fuck that. Look, they're, I love reptiles. I don't want to be eaten by them. Hell no. I don't want to be ripped apart Look, alive. If I had to go by a reptile, I want to get constricted by a big snake because they give you a heart attack or a stroke very quickly and it's over. Yeah. I don't want to die from an envenomation super slow and I don't want to get ripped apart by crocodiles. Oh. So we always make fun of you know, you know the, the old uh, firemen save cats. Mm-hmm. These firemen saved a bearded dragon from yes. the roof of this building. It got on the roof of the building. I saw that. Hey, that's awesome, though. That I mean, is... I do think it's great that they went and they did it. I do. I think that's pretty fabulous. Okay, so the, the title of this one, uh, this got posted as a 
because of the comment section, but it's courageous dog gives birth to seven puppies after surviving rattlesnake bite. And one of the comments was like, what do you mean courageous? She didn't have an option. She was, <laughs> she was right. going to give birth. That's right. Yeah. She didn't choose. Like, it's like every time I see the dog saves owner from snake bite. No, the dog just got bit first. Yeah. <laughs> they were walking along and the dog went, what's that? And stuck its nose down there. And yeah. Got bit. Yeah. Um, another thing. If, you, if no one saw it, go and check our Reptile, our Reptile Gumbo podcast discussion group. Erica McVeigh from VivTech posted a question on there. She was wondering, uh, when setting up tech pieces like cameras, sensors, you know, the stuff that VivTech carries, do you prefer written instructions with the item, a barcode that takes you to a written instruction and a video, or a video instruction uh, on like YouTube or something like that? And I, I, I was like all of the above. I, like, I do like a paper version of uh, instructions on, on equipment whether it's like a thermostat or some of the stuff like VivTech, but being able to go watch a video also, I like that. So, so I actually, I commented as well. And I, I said, you know, as long as I have instructions, I don't care if they're a paper version or if they're scan this barcode and see instructions on your phone. I'm okay with either one. And when the operator is not smart enough to figure out the technology at that point, the videos are helpful because that happens to me more often than I care to admit. What about you? What would you prefer? Would you prefer uh, a video or instructions? Oh, I bet we don't, the problem is that I'm on the screen, so no one knows when anybody's talking to each other. I know. Oh, <laughs> wait for it. See, Chris has the problem with this. So, Dr. Ra, what would you prefer? Uh, I'm still old school. I like a little written, but I've also gone to figure out how to do shit on YouTube, too. <laughs> so, I'll take day. both. Yeah. <laughs> see, I like written. I, I'm not a fan of instructions on my phone just because I like to be able to see all of it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I hate yeah. having to flip through that. So I'd rather watch that a video sense. or read the instructions on paper. Uh, that's why someone commented on the thing. Also, I, I hate going to restaurants now and having to pull the damn menu up on my phone. Oh, I do. I do I dislike that. that. I do dislike that a lot. I, I want the whole that thing. That makes me feel old, but I do. Like, I want to hold the menu in my hands <laughs> and, like, yep. figure out what I want. So, if anybody hasn't gone, go over, comment, let Erica know what you prefer. Uh, I would imagine this is for, as they are moving farther with VivTech, what they would like to do. Uh, so, go give your two cents on that one. And while you're over there doing that, then go over to VivTech and use code GUMBO22 and save 15% on your next VivTech order. <laughs> Just go ahead and do that like as well. How you, I like that little segue. Good yeah. job there. Got to, got to make that money somehow. Uh, you just don't want to lose the spot of like one of their best. What was it? She said. Were there one of their best? Um, oh, not sponsor. It's not a sponsor. I forget what it's called. I, I do too. But, but go use our code, people. Please, I'm begging you. <laughs> he likes having the title of one of the best. Uh, here's another one. Nathan Holcomb posted was a leucistic copperhead. Possibly that was kind of cool. Did you see that one, Robert? I did. Uh, Wait, which one? This one right here. Oh, yeah. And then, oh, so this was funny. I posted this. So the the spiky tail on the back of a stegosaurus didn't technically have a name until it was written about in a Far Side comic. <laughs> uh, it, it says in the comic, if you can see, it says, uh, now this end is called the Thagomizer after the late Thag Simmons. And then scientists saw that and just decided, yeah, that's the name of it now. And then, and that's what they call it. That's the, hilarious. The spiky tail on the back of the stegosaurus is the Thagomizer. Just figured it was a spiky tail. From a, from a cartoon. like that's. Why does a tail need a specific name? Everything needs a name. 
It's science. We name everything. Okay. And apparently cartoonists name it for us sometimes. There, I mean, hey, that, yep. that's cool. So if anybody's ever wondering what the, the, the spiky end of the tail, it's the Thagomizer, and it's named after a cartoon. Uh, there was also this, like, super melanistic cane break. Did you see this picture of? Oh, yeah. That is really it's pretty. In literally every uh-huh. reptile group. Has it? Yeah. See, you With just don't need to be in a part of a lot of reptile groups, and then you're not surprised when you see With stuff on our people post. arguing over what it is who so, don't know what the fuck they're talking about. What were their arguments? Oh, that's a copperhead. That's a corn <laughs> snake. That's a... <laughs> okay, so Darren Watson just posted. He said, if the internet is down, then you're screwed. And that is a very fair point to make with those barcodes with instructions. Oh, yeah. I and I never actually thought about that. If you... Or if you live in uh, this area and go to Pearland to go eat your and your phone doesn't, doesn't work, work half the time. Then you can't open it. <laughs> so, Darren, that's a very good point. You should definitely make that post so Erica sees that. I may have to go back and adjust mine. But, uh, a fair point. So we got to go herping the other night, Robert. We took our kids herping. We did. We went road cruising. We found uh, we found it some. It was a, a beautiful night. I sat on the couch in silence <laughs> in the silence. whole time y'all were gone. <laughs> we found a, a live broadband water snake and unfortunately a dead broadband water snake. We found a live cottonmouth and unfortunately a dead cottonmouth. And the cottonmouth, uh, for some reason, didn't chase us still. We still have yet to find one to chase us. They're all broken. We have tried. <laughs> Uh, it literally took off the opposite direction from us to get away from us. I know. I don't know about Logan, but I know ours. Our kid had a great time. She was texting me from the car. This is so much fun. I'm glad I got to go. It's like, funny because she didn't tell us that while we were oh in the car. Oh, my gosh. She was blowing up my phone. <laughs> she was having fun. So, like I said, I don't know. She probably sat in the back and just sat there. She did. With a straight face. She got out when we saw the preteen angst. But uh, we saw a great, uh, a great horned owl mm-hmm. up in a tree. I heard, I heard all about the whole trip. Some deer. She had a great time. We saw some rabbits. Can't wait to go again. <laughs> we saw a crap ton oh, of rabbits. Oh, I have the best story. Okay. At the zoo. A zoo story. So we were at the zoo yesterday. Robert, you'll love this. There were, uh, it was a hornbill exhibit. If anybody's never seen a hornbill, it's a big ass bird, big funny beak, huge bird. Outside the exhibit, the Houston Zoo has a shit ton of Wild rabbits, rabbits. Everywhere. Yeah. Tons. Outside was a larger rabbit, and what we assume possibly could have been its baby, but it was already like hopping around covered in fur, and it, but it was, it was small. doing its own thing. Small. It was small. It hopped into the exhibit with the bongo, which is a big hoof stock, and the hornbills. Mm. <laughs> and then the hornbill saw it. Hornbills are carnivores. And that hornbill ran after I've it. I've never seen a hornbill move this quick. And that rabbit got out of the fence just before the <laughs> hornbill could grab it and swallow it whole. We were about to watch National Geographic at the zoo. And I'm not going to lie, I was rooting for the hornbill. Yeah, so he was super getting excited. My seven-year-old nephew was like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> I he... see James going, oh, oh, look, uh, look. There were several and that's of us. that's what he was. There were several Josephine, of us watching our 12-year-old it. was doing it. There was some random guy that was like, man, I thought he was was gonna get it james like me too it was enrichment for the for those zoo people out oh, there that is just what we call enrichment yeah. it was it's like i've wow. told that story on here before Crazy. where uh where i was like cleaning the, the tortoise yard and someone goes there's a peacock in the lion exhibit okay not for long like yeah. are you gonna go get it nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that is the lion's peacock yeah uh our friend that has crocodiles uh, told us about uh He'll go out some mornings and there'll just be like a raccoon foot and some guts hanging on the fence. <laughs> oh, because no. It'll get a little too close to his Nile croc. And, oh. and he said he's actually seen his Nile croc like leave food on the edge of the water and then sit there and wait. No. <laughs> well, there's, there's alligators. Or a, a raccoon to come in his enclosure. And- no. They've seen alligators in the Everglades put sticks on the front of their nose and just sit there and wait for like egrets and stuff to come get the sticks for their nest and then eat the egret. No way. Oh, yeah. They're super wicked. They're super smart predators. We just, 
as humans, we can't, a lot of humans can't uh, conceive the idea that animals can also be intelligent. Yep. Um, That's so crazy. But especially when it comes to like something like reptiles, because we think they couldn't be smart, except they've been on Earth for hundreds of millions of years. They, they can't be stupid. How could they be on Earth hundreds of million years and the plant's only 2,000 years old, James? <laughs> 2,023 years? Yes. That's how old it is? That's when time started? Uh, oh, look, there's Erica McVeigh. She's in. You are late hey. to the party. We, we mentioned we you, We already Erica. talked about you a whole bunch. Your ears must have been burning. But Hi, Erica. <laughs> she was another one that was excited that you were on. Mm-hmm. I've known her for quite a while too. So that's awesome. So Erica, while you're on here, uh, Darren actually had a very good point. Um, if the internet is down, then the barcode for instructions may not work as well. So fair point. So don't only send that. Yes. Yeah. I think all the above, if you do all the above, it's great. Yeah. Um, I will say that I got to install one of their, um, light bases the other day. Yeah. And that thing is robust. <laughs> it's very well made. Very, like, I liked it a lot. It's, That's yep. awesome. It's like uh, a ceramic light, the light fixture. It's, it's a ceramic fixture with a metal base, and it has multiple screw holes for mounting options. Oh, nice. That's it's fully awesome. articulated. Oh, wow. And it's very stiff. So, like, when you move it, that's where it's going to stay. Did you use your, your dongle to hide the wires? Didn't need to. Oh, really? Yeah, it was going in a 40 breeder. So, I was able to put it right by where, so the wire could just go right out. The nice. Hole. So what was that one Paul bought at um Oh yeah yeah. He brought it so, to the uh, shop, uh, anybody listening last week. You can uh, go buy that on Vivtech's website and use code gumbo22 to save 15% on Lightbase. Just I'm going to keep throwing that out there cuz uh, <laughs> Gen A and Gen and Z going to need embrace analog. Yes. Uh, analog works sometimes. I agree. Remember the old the kiss method. Keep it simple stupid. That's, That's all right. you got to do. You were making fun of me the other day cuz I was reading a book on my phone. Well, because you were the person when Kindles first came out, they're like, I would never I would. do that. I, I want to hold. 15 years ago. She was like, I want to hold an actual book in and my I hand do. and feel the paper. But sometimes I read books that are not appropriate for the rest of the world to see, and they don't need to adult know porn. that I'm reading we got it. Adult, trashy smut. Adult porn. We got it. I like listening to books now. <laughs> I just like collecting them. They just sit back there and. That is a fact. Well, I'm in my truck so much. Yeah. That I will listen to a book that's 35 or 40 hours long in like two weeks. Yeah. Well, that might be changing here pretty soon, though. I won't be that, driving 30 minutes each way every that day. That's true. Yeah. You want to talk, talk about that? Uh, not yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because I haven't told Todd and he's in here. I guess I'll tell him now. <laughs> uh, it looks like I'm moving the shop to 0.7 miles from my house. You can you could shoot a bullet and hit the... If it was clean wide uh, open. I could literally... Flee, like. Could fly my drone. I, drone. Say, I thought drone I thought that the other there? day when because we drove out to where it is, I was like, yeah. you could just put a drone up in the air and be at your drop yeah. it off at your house. And <laughs> Some guy posted Sunday morning that he had the shop space for lease, and uh, it's they so looks really awesome. And just see how much it was and you know where exactly it was because where he said it was was near my house, and uh, he said, "Where do you live?" And I told him, he goes, "It's literally across the street from you," and he sends me the address, and uh, I look and it's point seven miles. It's three minutes from my house. Yep. Um, which is crazy that to go less than a mile takes three minutes. But I know. Um, so I went over there and looked at it that day, and we went ahead and did the application and everything, and he approved it today. So yeah, for anyone that lives around this area, to drive through Houston, you need to have to get tolls, and toll roads get expensive. I spend over three hundred dollars a month in tolls. Probably another hundred fifty in fuel, just going back and forth. And food because it's twenty seven miles to the shop each way. 
Yeah. Uh, three tolls each way. <clears throat> so um, that's going to be, this one is a little bit more expensive, but it's going to be, it's still going to cost me less in the long run. hundred percent. And it's double what I have now. Yeah. yeah. It's double the And I can come just now. visit now. I don't have to drive into Houston to find you. Yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, Todd, who was in the chat, I don't know if he still is, it's, he's already like 25, 30 minutes from my shop. And now it's like 25 or 30 more minutes. So yeah. that sucks. Yeah. Sorry, Todd. So that's what you get for having ball pythons. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be, I'm not looking forward to actually moving. No one I likes moving a lot of shit. I've been in that shop three years now. And it's a lot of shit. A in there. lot of stuff in there. Uh, well, so, you know what? Maybe we can work out a deal where if you, want to come help me move classrooms down the hallway i can come help you move shop stuff <laughs> so we're friends we should just help one another <laughs> uh, actually i talked to uh matt's kid uh, nate yeah uh, he just graduated and then colby today they're gonna come help and then if you can john and yeah i've had a yeah absolutely people. i will try this is my right, busiest you, summer but right i decided not to have a summer vacation this year yeah. and and work uh erica asks uh dr rob have you ever attempted acupuncture on chameleons I have a couple of times, not very often. Uh, mostly it's just been a little bit of aquapuncture where I'll inject a little bit of B12 because they're so tiny. The needles don't stay in very yeah. well. So I'll just take an insulin syringe and actually inject it into the points. Hmm. Just thinking needles so into crazy. a small little thin skin. You know, I'm going to have to Google animal acupuncture now and it's a thing. Go down. I mean, obviously the thing, but it's, it's been a thing. It's crazy. Now got, I got pictures here. So I don't else. even understand why people do acupuncture. Like I get the benefits, but the whole process freaks me out. I have a horrible pain threshold. So it's the whole process scares crap out of me. I actually had someone recommend it one time for my headaches. And I was like, I, I'll um, stab you in the head. No. Oh, okay. I'm I'll just do it make free. you rub my shoulders. That's all. I'm, it's, I'm, you get, we'll take some of your sewing needles and just poke them into your no, temples. No, no. It's got to be the same thing. No, it's identical. I don't trust you. It's the, uh, <laughs> it's the Dollar General version. I will stab you in your throat if you come at me with my sewing needles. I'm just trying to help you. And our listeners will back me help because me. they love me more. <laughs> help me help you. Oh goodness. Uh, so I do want to ask. I'm going to ask earlier. What is uh, if you had to give the one story, most interesting story you've had being a vet at a zoo. And you're like, the, and you did it, and you're like, this is really cool, or this is the weirdest thing. What would it be? Oh wow, the one thing your favorite memory. <laughs> the one where like, what's uh, the weirdest thing you've done? Because I know as a as someone at a zoo, you get the what's the weirdest thing you've done or seen. Yeah, I've done a lot of shit over the years. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Probably, probably the one I always default to because I, I, you know, I always default to it because it's like my second or third day at the job at San Antonio. Um, ended up doing a C-section on a three-banded armadillo. Huh. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. I, think second, I think it might be back. Maybe it was my second day of work here, so I was wow. like, you know, on an armadillo. I'm so, like trying to imagine this in my head. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was just absolutely crazy way to start my career <laughs> so yeah that is so what drives someone i guess it's just laying there in labor forever and they're just like we've got to do something yeah. now yep i mean she was in labor blood discharge oh. nothing happening the baby did all sound baby's still alive but she's due so we took it out wow so weird how many how many babies 
Uh, she only had one. Only one. Okay. I think. I don't know. It's been 21 years now. <laughs> <laughs> he has the- slept since then, James. He does not remember. <laughs> that is true. Man. C-section on a house mouse. Now the next time it's like C-section on a house mouse. <laughs> I have. No, I have actually spayed a, uh, one of those little tiny little dwarf hamsters. I actually spayed one. Have you ever <laughs> wait, shaved wait, wait. a tarantula? Um, the only thing I've done with tarantulas mostly is uh, repair limbs when they get broken. Well, Katie, or, oh, you repaired like like you well, sewed they, they their break, arm it, back on. Well, I mean, mostly it's just like put a little stitch and just tie off the end with the stump. Okay, yeah, that's super cool. Well, well, Katie tortured <laughs> a tarantula. Back. I did when not she was torture in a tarantula. He was intubated. Not intubated. There was they no stuck tube. a tube down his throat. No, 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 there was no tube. It was he was put under general anesthesia. <laughs> And then we Did shaved his leg. His nose we actually put the whole nose tube for a Labrador over the top of the whole tarantula. And because the vet was unsure how much to give the I'm tarantula. Not saying, I'm not saying that's the part where you we torture would, the beans. Well, no, no, no. We, would, we, would, we picked it up. And then, like, when we would go close to the tarantula with, like, a scalpel, like, or pointer tool or whatever, if the tarantula reacted, we just put it back over the tarantula because he obviously didn't have enough. Um, because halfway through the procedure, he started to wake up again, so they had to give him a little bit more. Um, but that's not so, the part I'm talking about where you tortured him. So my science fair project when I was in the eighth grade, now granted, it's been 19 years since I've graduated high school, so this was 24 years ago. Um, 23 years ago. I built a two-foot-by-two-foot two maze, trained it to get its food at the end of the maze, and would time how long it took it to get through the maze. And then we took it to a local vet that was a friend of the family, and we shaved the front four legs on the tarantula and I proved that without those legs the tarantula basically Torture. backs into a corner and doesn't do anything. Tortured. Because they use all the little hairs on the front of their leg to be able to find their way around. That's fucking horrible. Luckily and crickets are Did the you hair... make sure that any makeup you buy was tested on it animals all first? Grew, <laughs> it all grew back. The hair all grew back. I get it but that's um, like I'm just going to poke you in the eyes so you can't see what the fuck you're doing. No, and then watch you try and do it. Because crickets <laughs> better eventually. I took in a university lab <laughs> crickets are really stupid and if you take the tarantula's hide out of the cage then the crickets think the hide is actually the shadow caused by the tarantula so it would go hide underneath the tarantula and that's how the tarantula would eat um, that's not what he wanted to do no that's funny and then when I'm the, you completely different game. when the project was done it went to live with my fourth grade teacher who, that was how I got who was a better person because they never because shaved I had his a legs. tarantula when I was in fourth grade yeah Herman ended up being uh, Henrietta because I was wrong and it was a girl but I went to state <sighs> with that project thank you very much I did annuls but my thing was feeding them they, I never tortured them <laughs> we couldn't use animals with a backbone you definitely can't do it anymore now you can't even use animals anymore no it's like they Joe don't want... could Joe used isopods well that's true we did do isopods because they don't think of them as real animals so we could our daughter did her STEM project on isopods. I can't believe fun. you tortured a I did not torture tarantula. a tarantula, y'all. All right. Uh, Good word. Fucking A. <laughs> you think you know someone. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Dr. Rob, this has been so much fun. Thank you so awesome. much for coming on. Yeah, definitely. Hey, anytime you need me, just give me a call. Well, and I think what makes it even cooler is that you reached out to us. Well, he came up to me at the Austin show and said, yeah. hey, I'm Dr. Rob. I'd like to be on y'all's show. And I was like, let me text James. And I told James who it was. James was like, fuck yeah, get his number. I love it. I love <laughs> and that. And I took him over to Lee and Amanda and 
I got, I got a text and a picture. I had no input in that conversation because yeah. there was nothing I, going on there that I knew anything about. So I just walked back to my. So we need to take a podcast field trip to San Antonio Zoo. I agree. Done. I haven't been in years. I would it's love been a to go back. That I've been there. As long as I don't have to go see the fucking. They Alamo, might reciprocate with our Houston Zoo membership too. I just don't want to see the Alamo. I hate seeing that thing when I go there. I'm like, why? It's so torn. It was so little. It's in the middle of the town. It's like every time I go there, I'm like, why? Why is this a thing? I even heard people last time when I was out here, we were going, it looks much smaller than I thought. Well, no shit. It's surrounded by skyscrapers. <laughs> what were you? It was, That's so funny. It's a cross Just check out the basement. What? Just check out the basement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That's my dad said, don't blink, you'll miss it. Pretty much. Yeah. I guarantee people have driven past it and didn't realize they were driving past the album. Uh, I'm sure. It's rather, I'd rather go to the San Antonio Zoo. So, Dr. Rob, if people want to get a hold of you, do you want them to get a hold of you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I already I already put it, I already replied back to the uh, um, the whole thing about where the websites are. So they already see me on Facebook. So oh, they're so. already me, so. They already <laughs> found <laughs> you. <laughs> so I I'll 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 reply back as as I can, time wise. There but, you um, go. Yeah. He's a busy or if man. Or they have if they, if they have a vet that has questions, or I definitely take consults all the time. That's really cool. Vets, if they have any questions or concerns, so they can they can always reach out that way. Sounds good. If you need a rack, ellisreptileracks.com. dot Place your order. Email Robert; he'll go back to you when he can. Come see us at Conroe. All of us will be at Conroe. Come see Robert at any show except for Oklahoma. Come to Lake Charles on Saturday. We'll be there. We'll be hanging out at the show. Like, come to Lake Charles anyways. Come check out you the show. You guys are just going to drive over Saturday morning and then drive back? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's what? Joe hours, and I have hours? a. Joe and I are going to see Wicked at the two Hobby hours. Center it's on Sunday. Two hours. Two and a half hours from here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like an two easy hours drive. Five minutes from my shop. Yeah. It's a half. It's. it's I could just hear both. Chris listening to this going, oh, y'all are so. Gross saying two hours is an yeah. easy drive. Yeah. It's, it's the halfway point where I meet mom and Cameron when we swap off. Well, kids. We could stop in, uh, and uh, we'll, and Beaumont need it. Shut ooh, your mouth because I can't. We may do that. Well, I might be able to do it on Sunday. I'll send you Jay a Wilson's. Jay Wilson's. I may send you a picture of me eating at Jay Wilson's. Okay. Now we're like making. My dad was like, bypass Beaumont. Yeah, but no, there's, there's good food there's there. There's good food in Beaumont. <laughs> yeah. The driving through it does suck, but there is food there if you stop. It all depends on how the show goes. Yeah. Whether or not I <laughs> if you make money to eat with Jay Wilson's or I'm eating at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. McDonald's is getting expensive now, too. No joke. It's... Everything is. Uh, oh, the Reddies will be in Conroe. Cool. Do, we, do I have something? I, can give the I feel like we bought something else. Oh, no, I did buy something else. Oh, we else. did buy Amanda. He brought Amanda, I got more... something else for you. I got to give it to you in Conroe. Yeah. Uh, He's starting to buy his girlfriend more toys and things than his wife. Don't, don't call it toys. It sounds dirty when you say that. <laughs> okay, not like that. Oh, my God. James. <laughs> You're the one who said it. <laughs> She's literally but turning But we all know it. when I say things like, like that, I don't mean it in that context. Uh, I live with you. I that's hate not you always all. True. I hate you all. <laughs> On that note. Uh, again, 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 if you want to save fifteen percent on your VivTech order, it's code Gumbo twenty two. If you want to reach out to us, I'm just trying to make make her money here. Okay, gotta make uh, make some money. Uh, if you for toys, for toys, gotta buy more toys. Father in law in the chat. Uh, he knows it's okay. Anyways, uh, you can reach us. Your brother's in the next room. I know. Our daughter's in the next. Uh, you can reach us at the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and at gmail.com. We will be back next week with somebody. It's Katie's turn to find a guest. I've got two. I'm reaching out to tonight. 
Robert, Robert got this one. I yep. know. I've got to start pulling my own weight. Is full. <laughs> Robert got one. Uh, and he found me. I know. I was say, you didn't even have to work hard for that. Come I, on. Yeah, I was processed with elimination. I was the only one there. The only one there. You guys were on the way. <laughs> Sam said we get toy makers. Uh, anyways, thanks for coming on. If you'll hang out for a second, Dr. Rob, say bye to everybody. Good night. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, watching. Bye bye.